welcome to the 335th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on May 8th, 2023. My name is Brad Galloway. I'm the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm also 50% of this here show. With me is the man who's got the summertime blues, Carlos Rodella. Oh, that's right, because... Summertime means uh, neighbors outside of my window are going to be loud. That's exactly right. It's podcast recording blues specifically. Yes. Last summer, we actually had to like cancel an episode because there was a party outside. I do um, remember that. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's so funny. This is a tangent right at the beginning, but the minute weather gets warm, it's like cows are like, you know, an animal mentality, herd mentality. Herd mentality. <laughs> and a bunch of like people... Just go, oh, we go outside now. We make loud noise at party and barbecue, right? Yeah, yeah. And they sound like Frankenstein for some reason. Exactly like Frankenstein. But that's really what weird. I see. It, what, you know, as soon as it gets warm, people are like, oh, now we do all the things outside. It's the same over here, man. Uh, you know, my family usually goes on dog walks pretty often. We have a couple dogs. And, you know, most of the year we go out and, like, we'll see, like, one person or something as we're walking. But, like, the last week, you can't go five fucking feet without hitting, like, a whole bunch of people. Kids in the sidewalk playing. And there's a guy walking his dog. And then, like, purple people doing their, their gardening in the, on, right by the sidewalk and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, my dogs are COVID dogs. I don't know if you have read about this or follow this at all. But, like, there's this total phenomenon where all of the dogs that got adopted during covid are different than normal dogs because they are so used to being inside and they don't get socialized very much oh interesting um so they're hyper like um they get really triggered very easily right they bark at everything they're really kind of scared of things um sometimes they're really aggressive because of just they they didn't really get a chance to get out and about and my dogs are 100 percent hardcore covid dogs and so when we go and see anybody in the sidewalk they go apeshit, dude. Oh it's my not goodness, fun. it's not fun. Wow, what a way to start a you know contemporary new video game podcast with two old men bitching <laughs> about it's summer now. Ah, oh, get off my lawn, get kids. off my, get off my lawn. Well, I don't have a lawn. Get off my, my outside of my window area where you're get away. Being get away. Get Here away. Here we go. All right, folks, we are back uh, with a show. We are recording a little bit later than a normal time, so we'll see how the energy flows. We'll see how this goes, but I feel like uh, I feel like we're in good shape here. How are you feeling, Carlos? Yeah, I might need coffee in the middle of it. We're This is an evening podcast, which we don't do. Uh, wait, when do we normally record? We normally record about uh, 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we are a morning podcast. So yeah, this we is are. We are. an evening podcast. I've already had dinner. You're about to have dinner? I had dinner two hours ago because oh, okay. I have the early bird special because I'm an old guy. Oh, so we both had dinner early. We really are old people. I'm gonna. I need a nap. Can we I need call? My tea. Oh my goodness! Can we, you bring me a shawl, please? I my do, shoulders I are have, getting cold. I'm wearing my shawl. Uh, you've already got yours on. You yeah. beat me to it. Yeah. Oh, no. Man. Um. We need to call this the old man podcast. Like that's the name of it. Really. All right. Got it. Uh, it's the old man podcast, uh, and and Artie will show up many times then because I'm sure he probably he, he wants to all the time, especially with summertime. Forget about it. Um, <laughs> but anyways, anyway, we are going to do a video game podcast, even though we're I old pr- guys. I promise we will eventually get to the video games. We absolutely. Speaking of which, let's talk about some right now, folks. You know, I know, Carlos knows, we all know that he and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. That's right, folks. It is housekeeping. Stuff on my side, stuff on his side. Carlos, what you got this week? Well, there's a very large box in the middle, and we'll save that for later. Sure, sure. The biggest box. It's the biggest box. 
But the smaller boxes, one that just um, I just arrived actually, is that, um, and it might be nothing because I'm sure it's nothing. And it, actually, hearing me say it, and I'm gonna say it to you right now, and you're gonna be like, "Bah, that's nothing." Okay. So let's see if the, if I'm right. The little box that just arrived is Bloodborne is trending on Twitter. It is. Yeah. Right now. Why? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe that remake is finally happening, but then mm. that's where you insert you say "bah." We've heard. It I all mean, before. whatever. I mean, it's it's overdue. I think yes. that a million people have been asking for it. Um, I, to be honest with you, I don't think that I would go back to it. I, I mean, I beat it. I beat the DLC, and I, I feel like I, I spent plenty of time with that one, and it just wasn't really my favorite of. Um, the From Games. It's not my least favorite. It is not my favorite. It's kind of in the middle for me, but I don't know that I go back to it. But I know a million jillion people are dying for like, you know, was it Blue Point that does the remasters? Yeah, what yeah. The, yeah, everybody wants like the Blue Point, and apologies if I got that wrong, but uh, the same people who did the Demon Souls remaster, whoever that yeah, was, they want right. them to, yeah, give them the treatment to to, uh, to Bloodborne. And to be perfectly frank, I think it's an appropriate thing to ask for, so... So it's trending. It might happen. I think, it, in my opinion, it's been worked on for a while, and I think they're just going to like surprise stealth launch it. Um, and by the way, they're not um, console specific, right? I believe it was. It is. Well, it's it PC still and is? PlayStation. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, Bloodborne is. Yeah, I believe so. I oh, believe it is. I'm going to make. Okay, so you yeah. know, you know, we always um, sometimes we quote him, but lots of other podcasts quote Jeff Grubb a lot. You know. Yeah. And uh, so I thought we should just start doing that, like making bold predictions, even if we're wrong. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure, um, sure. And here's mine. Uh, okay. PlayStation Showcase is, I think they just announced it. It's going to be, oh, no, they didn't announce it yet, but I'm guessing, again, this is the Jeff Grubb moment for me. Carl's is saying okay. that PlayStation Showcase is at the end of May, which is super soon. All right. Uh, and they're going to stealth drop uh, Bloodborne remake. That would be pretty wild, dude. That but would that would really make some waves. In in light of the big box that we're about to talk about, wouldn't it be a kind of a huge thing? That would be that would be a pretty key moment, actually. I think that if if they could make it happen, right? You know, I don't know what's in motion or who's doing what, but if if there's any possibility of that happening, I mean, I agree with you. I think that probably would be the perfect time to make that happen. It reminds me of, and we we're alluding to it, but we'll get to it later. But like that, yeah, that generation of Xbox losing to playstation um with the digital you know xbox one digital on all the time yeah boy that was a that was a fuck up. that was a fuck up which yeah people are talking about now but um then that moment remember they were like hey we can you can play any game on our on our console and you don't have to be connected to the internet it would be a moment like that it was like hey you know exclusives aren't a big thing well we have an exclusive and it's the one you wanted for a long time it would be huge. Anyways. It would be a pretty. It would be an atomic bomb. I do agree with you. That's that's. I think one of the most requested games. Yeah. That has not yet received a remaster, and considering certain Capcom games have been remastered three times over, I think it's appropriate that one of the other ones people are asking for get its turn. So I, you know, I, I don't. It wouldn't mean much to me because I probably wouldn't go back to it. But I know, like, it is. It is very wanted. I get it. I get it. And I never beat it, so I would go back to it because I. Oh, do you never play beat it. it. Okay. Yeah, I never did because. Um, when I went to go back to it recently, obviously, I think we talked about it. It was just hard to look at, you know, graphically. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, bit. Boy, so anyways. Uh, I would that's... not go back to it. That DLC, I got to just let's pause for a second. The oh, DLC, yeah. uh, wow, that had some of the hardest shit uh, in in FromSoft stuff. I mean, maybe not maybe not all together, but the last boss of uh, that DLC that they added, 
that guy had me fucked up for days, dude. Like mm. I was throwing myself up against it. And it, it sucked too because uh, Darren Foreman, who's one of the writers at Game Critics, he sent me a video and he got like a perfect on him. And he's like, yeah, I killed him. Whatever. No big deal. And I'm like, oh, man. Geez. Oh, just uh, rub it in a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I finally got him. And that was that was one of my most memorable things of just like finishing that guy and not feeling victory or anything. Just feeling like, oh, thank God that's fucking over, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that's a good segue for my next story. All right, go for it. Um, my next story is, or box, I mean, what am I doing? I'm ruining the illusion. We got a whole theme here, man. You got to stick to the theme. Okay, opening up the second box. There you go. It is, um, so I found this on YouTube. The YouTube uh, person's name is The Cursed Judge. Okay. And the it's such a fascinating video. I love these videos where they, they spend like 15 or 20 minutes going through a topic. I just love that. Um, <clears throat> I don't, that's not super new, but if you do it right, and it feels kind of like a mini- mini documentary or viaduct or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so anyways, his video I watched was games with unsatisfying endings. Oh, geez. That's <laughs> got to be most games out there, I would imagine. Well, it's a lot of games, and it goes back to when you're talking about difficulty in a minute. But first off, the whole video is truly about Firewatch, which we talked about on the show back in the day. <laughs> yeah, we did. And yeah, we, we didn't did. like the ending, right? No. Yeah. No. It was like such a weird, like, nothing happened. And I was like, oh, mm. it's just sad. And he talked about it, but then he would jump in and talk about like the history of video games and how they started in the arcade. And then in general, and we've talked about this too, in the arcade, it wasn't about an ending. It was about getting you to spend money. Sure. Making <clears throat> making them quarters drop, yo. Yes. And what a lot of young people don't know, and why probably you and I are so frustrated with difficult games sometimes, at least I am, is because we lived through that bullshit, that, that transition over Nintendo. Because then people were like, oh, I'll get the new game and I won't be able to put it down. And it had that same mentality of just like difficult for difficult sake, like battle toads and shit like that. It's like, yeah. no, can I just have fun with this game and get to the ending? No, it was like a fucking, I don't know, just a difficulty meter. Um, and then he brought up Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, yeah. and I'm coming back to the ending thing. But Ghosts and Goblins, if you don't recall, and for our listeners, you beat it. And Satan, who's the end boss, by the way, he says, oh, sorry, this is all just an illusion. You have to beat the game again. Yeah. And so then you beat it again, and then it gives you this message. I wrote this down because I've forgotten it. It says, congratulation. That's how it's spelled. Yeah, with an R. This story is happy end. Thank you. Yep. And that's all <laughs> you get. So then he came back to talking about Firewatch and how it was unfulfilling. And there's this really cool you know, conversation about what it means to have an ending to a game. So I thought it's, oh, it's a yeah. cool topic as well as like a really cool video. Oh, I mean, that sounds like a great video. You should send me the link when you get a second. I would mm-hmm. love to watch that. It seems like something me and my wife would watch. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so on one hand, a very difficult transition from arcade mentality to home design mentality, not only because you needed to get out of the quarter munching you know, theory of like, we got to make this hard. So people keep spending money. Well, they, they, they spent the 50, 60 bucks. You didn't have to keep getting the quarter. You got, you got all the quarters when they bought it. Um, but also just, you know, the, the very idea of how do you design a different experience? We had been locked in the arcade mindset for so long. Like it's a total night and day thing to think about a well-paced adventure with emotional moments and drama. It's like, it's like not even in the same ballpark, man. Mm -hmm. So that was, a long time for people to to discover but also the other thing and the killer thing that i think also still persists to this day is that the vast majority of people do not finish the vast majority of games and so 
very rarely will a developer, in my opinion anyway, take the time to really go above and beyond to make a really, really satisfying ending. I mean, some do. I've, I've played games with great endings. Um, but there's but most of the time, it ends up being kind of a tossed off. Oh, yeah. I mean, not as bad as congratulations, but like, you know, <laughs> kind of like, a, oh, yeah, a hug and a cutscene, boom, done. Or, you know, just something really, really unsatisfying. Um, because most people don't get that far and the developers don't want to spend their time on something that like 98% of their audience isn't going to see. I wonder if that's the reasoning or if it's just sometimes it's just difficult to tell that ending of a story. Like I, I make, you know, comedy sketches. It's it's similar in the fact that it's storytelling and it's so hard to come up with an ending. You know what I mean? Sure, for sure. So for sure. I but, think you know, there's also, something similar there. I, I, I agree with you for sure. And I think also like if you get a game where you come up with the gameplay first and you come up with the story afterwards... Where is that even going to go? Like, you have right. to really have, like, a good writer. And I ain't talking no goddamn chat GPT bullshit. You need a, a flesh-and-blood writer who has thoughts, emotions, a plan, dramatic arc, rising action, falling action, denouement, the whole thing. Yep. You got to, like, have a writer-writer, and then that's got to work hand-in-hand with the game to bring it all together for the experience of gameplay meshing with the story, and then you get the good ending. Like, when that shit comes together, it's magical, dude. But yeah. it's, it takes work, and you cannot just... Oh, well, here's my game. Let's slap some story in there and then boom. Like that, I guarantee you, no one's going to give a shit about the story and especially not the ending. Yeah. Well, anyways, it's an interesting topic. Uh, listeners, let you, let us know what you think. Uh, what are some games that you played where you actually had a satisfying ending? I think, uh, what was it? Star Ocean? My new Star Ocean I liked a lot, the ending. Okay. Uh, and okay. was it, um, oh my goodness, not Valkyrie Elysium, but the other one. Um Oh, oh Tales. Yeah. Is it was it a Tales game? I don't know. Anyways, there's a couple other RPGs that like really like had great endings, but yeah, it's it's tricky to do. Um, so, anyways, just thought I'd bring that up. Very interesting stuff. Uh, one small box, which is I gotta mention this. Yeah. Uh, Grindstone. Do you remember that game? Oh, you know, I never played that because it went to Apple Arcade, didn't it? And then it didn't go to phones or something? Well, it was always Steam, and that's how I played it. And then, Okay, I didn't play it on Steam. Yeah. yeah, it came on 2022 in Steam, and then I think it did go to mobile right after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, this is the, finally its console release right now, out today. I just saw that today. I, just, yes. I literally just saw that today. Oh, cool. Yes. Um, I implore everybody to get it. Now, it's for a, for a type of game it is, it's $20. I guess that's kind of a little bit of money. You know, you think this game would be like a $10 game, but I assure you it's worth it. Like, for one thing, the character design is just awesome. It feels like um, Adventure Time and Ren and Stimpy kind of thing, like just weird characters, more Adventure Time than anything. And uh, and you play this warrior, and it's like a puzzle game where you, like, cut through all these monsters. So you, have to, you can cut through monsters in one fell swoop like, with your finger or with a controller by, like, guiding a path through the monsters. If they're all the same monster, you can kill them all, right, in one swoop. Yeah, yeah. But then there's, like, so many more layers. Like, there's power-ups and different weapons you get, and there's really funny and good cutscenes. I guess this I just saw it's a team behind Below, that game Below and some other games. Yeah, Um, I forget the studio's name. I know you're talking about. Capybara. Yeah, Capybara, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, anyways, um, it's so fucking good. That I, I think I, yeah, I own it on Steam, but I might rebuy it for console to sit in front of my TV and play it. Yeah, my wife played it when uh, it was on Apple Arcade. We don't have uh, Apple Arcade anymore, but she was pretty favorable on it. And I, I checked it out watching over her shoulder. Um, I have seen other games have a similar style to this, kind of in the mobile space, but this one definitely looks more polished, looks uh, more well rounded. I would like to play it. 
Um, but 20 bucks right now, I'm like, eh, I don't mean to seem like all like, you know, penny pinching or anything, but I, I wish listed it. And when it comes down on a sale, like 15, I would jump in probably. Um, but 20 bucks, I'm going to, I'm going to keep an eye on it for now. It's funny how, what $5 can do. That perceived um, value, man. It is perceived. At, yeah. At that point. But anyways, I'll say this. The other reason why I bring it up is because it is the, you know, like you say, the best version of it. Um, yeah. yeah we yeah. like DLC and some extra shit. And so anything extra with this game, the way it plays, it's just like, it's a perfect, like playable, like, um, uh, what's the word? Perfect. Like if I had a playable score. Uh, and and I could give it one out of ten. This would be like a ten for the playability of it. Like everything works. There's no glitches. All the sounds and feel feels right. Like when you cut through monsters, the whole screen shakes. Gotcha, gotcha. It's just like everything about it feels so fucking good. Like a Candy Crush. That like yeah. it's just uh, you're you become addictive immediately. So. Anyways. Yeah, Cappy's a, Cappy's a good developer. I've been following them for a long time, and I was friends with the uh, president for a long time, too. I'm not sure that he's still there. I don't think that he is, but they're really well known for, um, I mean, they're not like well known, but like I think probably most people would be familiar with their games if you listed off the names of them. Like you might not be able to tell right off the top of your head, tell me a Cappy game. People would kind of stumble on it. But if you're like, have you played this? They'd be like, oh, yeah. Did you play this? Yeah, I sure did. You know, like that kind of a developer where... They're kind of like the good B actor where it's like, you know them, you don't know their name, but you know their face, right? You're yeah. like, oh, that guy. It's, oh, that developer, right? Um, but they're always like really good with polish. They're good with visuals. They're good with charm. Mm -hmm. They really know how to pour the special sauce on things. So that's definitely one of their strengths, I think. Yeah. So definitely check it out. Definitely check um, it out for sure. So what do you have before we get to the big box? And there's, like, um, there's an envelope taped to the big box as well. The only thing that I was going to say, I think it is a perfect segue into the big box. Okay. Um, I was going to just say quickly, you know, we covered, God, was it Redfall last week that we covered? Was it last week? I think it was last week. That was my envelope, by the way, if you're if that's where you're opening. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick. Okay, Let me yeah. lead off and then you can join in. So it feels like a million years ago that we talked about Redfall, but probably literally one episode ago. Yeah. Um, and at the time, you know, you, I mean, we both went on our list of cons and it was a really long list, right? But yeah. at the end of it, I think I was higher on it than you were. And I, I did have a pretty good, okay, maybe that's strong. I'm not going to say a pretty good time, but I will say... I had an interesting time and with some high moments where I was convinced enough to put more time into it to see how it developed. Um, and I did. I did. Uh, I, I put in maybe another three or four hours into it past where we talked about on the podcast. And it kind of flattened out like it didn't really blossom like I was kind of hoping it would. And then the thing that I really wanted to follow, uh, follow up with was after we got done with that podcast, I took the time to... Uh, wrote my son and that I did some multiplayer with him. I don't think I talked about this last time. I don't think I, I had played it that, at that point. Uh, but we did maybe like two hours of co-op and oh man, that game fell apart in co-op, dude. Mm. It was embarrassing. I know you experienced a lot more tech bugs in the single player than I did. I, I, I saw like AI shit going on and like, you know, roughness, but not like glitches, not like actual bugs and i think you had more than i did yeah but when we jumped into co-op oh dude it was bug city it was just like all sorts of weirdness and animation stopping and people getting stuck in buildings and he fell through the map once or twice and it just oh man it got really it was really embarrassing Jeez. it was really embarrassing so um regardless i wanted to circle back because i didn't want people to leave with the impression that i thought it was a great game and i'm gonna finish it and it was really really good i mean i, I saw enough to play more and now that I have played more, 
I'm out. Like it just it didn't grow, it didn't develop, and it actually got worse as I got on. Actually, now that you played more, you don't want to play more. You don't. Want I do to not want more. to play more yeah. now that I've played more. Exactly so. Exactly so. That's all. Yeah, and also I just, my only thing in the envelope was that um, you know everybody kind of followed suit uh, as soon as we dropped ours. Not like they were listening to our podcast, but they could have been. The idea. Most of those people uh, all had them already recorded and were just waiting to hit the upload button for the. I think they the were waiting timing. to see what we said, and then whichever way we went, they were going to follow. Okay, that's true. That's what happened. That is what um, happened. I know. I have, to, I have to take more of that Jeff Grubb approach and be like, this is just what it is. It just is. It that's is. just what happened. This is what we, we we say all the stuff, and then it happens. Anyways, oh, by the way, I like Jeff, so I'm not like throwing shade. But he, he just makes claims, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, so that's probably what's happening. Um, so, yeah, there's obviously I watched the cascade of bad reviews after ours. It's all. Yeah, insane. that was that was a that was a dog pile. And it was it was just truly unfound, like uh, not unfounded. It was founded. It's just <laughs> truly unbelievable, really, because I'd never seen like, you know, we, we see games review badly. But the way that that happened, um, it's, yeah. it's obviously tied to the big box that we'll talk about in a minute. But we are yes, yes. We're gonna get okay. Let's just let's get to the big box. But before we, I'll let you lead off on that. But I will say just to kind of circle back to Redfall, which I think will lead directly into what you're about to say. So I read some of that stuff that uh, what's his name? What's like a Phil Spencer? Yeah. And they were talking about the internal mock reviews that they did for Redfall. I don't know if you're gonna bring this up or not. I but... wasn't. So that's a good, interesting extra okay. point. Yeah. So I was like, you know, we've been people have approached game critics before to do mock reviews because they know that we are pretty harsh critics, Um, not unfairly harsh, but we are very honest. We're very straightforward and we don't play the every game is at least an eight out of ten game. Like Mm -hmm. we don't do that. Like if you come to game critics, you know, like we've rated shit like a point five, like a one, like two. Like we go to the bottom of the of the list right? Mm -hmm. of of the of the ratings uh, score. Um, So some we have been approached to do some of this stuff before. And so I kind of know how those go. And I got to say, I was really shocked um, when I saw Phil Spencer's comments saying that they had done some internal reviewing at Microsoft of Redfall. And he was like, whoa, we were like double digits off what we thought the final score was going to be. And he's like, we were really surprised. We didn't think it was going to review that low. And I'm like, bro, are you kidding me? Like, even even me, who was higher on it than you. I mean, there's no way that thing was going to be like an eight out of ten. Give me a break. Like in in no universe. And I just was really surprised. And I was kind of wondering, like, are there internal mock reviewers? Are they like afraid to tell the boss the truth because someone's going to get mad because this game was so rife with bugs? I mean, even just going back to the stuff that we picked up on our list of cons, it was like a mile long already between the two of us. Yeah, you had you had to know it wasn't going to do that well. So for him to say that really kind of blew my mind. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue because uh, putting the envelope aside, opening the big box, uh, where that came from was uh, Phil Spencer went on a kind of fun, kind of funny games. Yes, yes. And he had an interview, which, you know, on one part, and this is the positive aspect of it, I'll say, it's brave to do. And well, some might say you didn't need to do it <laughs> at the timing because Redfall just ate shit and maybe don't go, come out right now. But Either way, you know, he was very honest, and he, he wanted to have an honest uh, talk, uh, kind of funny. Um, I actually, you know, know some of the people over there, and I was, like, imploring them to, you know, double down on your questioning with him because I've seen him, like, dodge questions a lot. Um, but he, you know, was just very truthful. So that's the positive slant, I'll say. All um, right. And then everyone's talking about it on the Internet because of the things, some of the things he said. Uh, you know, people might say, like, oh, you're going to take it out of context. I watched the whole thing almost everything that you hear going around the internet isn't out of context. Like there's, it's its own context. 
Um, and I'll explain because some of these are just regular statements that have no need for like a longer, you know, context. Right. So in general, um, you know, the first one of the, not in any order, but one of the things he talked about is being in third place, um, which is always just, you know, the whole interview felt very defeatist and very like Mm -hmm. complacent and just kind of sad. Um, and maybe he's already getting kicked out soon. And I don't know. Maybe that's why he's that way. But, Might be on his way out. He wants yeah. to kind of make friends with people before he leaves, possibly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it definitely sounded like someone who, you know, not just didn't give a shit because he still seemed like he cared about the brand, but he was just, like, admitting defeat, like, for the whole platform, which is kind of, you know, dangerous to do. So, anyway, not just saying third place, but also saying, which I thought was just garish. I don't know if that's the word. But, like, he said... You know, um, Nintendo and PlayStation are doing deals with other companies that makes it hard to be Xbox, which is laughable because they're trying to pull off the biggest deal in history with Activision Blizzard, uh, which would make it hard for anybody to compete in like, you know, 20 game space, 20 of the game, biggest sure, games ever. Sure, sure. So to say that was just. I don't know, insane. Well, to follow up on that, I think, so I heard theories about that, right? For that exact moment that you're referring in that exact tone. And some commentators that I were reading were saying, you know, that actually was a calculated uh, message uh, because it was going to be like their last ditch attempt to try to get that deal to go through. Like oh, if they display, the UK? Yeah. Yeah. If they display, hey, man, we just got our asses beat with these reviews and look at this, it was supposed to be our big dog and it ate shit and we don't have any deals because Sony and Nintendo got deals. We need a deal. Like, like I've heard some people theorize that that was um, a ploy to try to get, you know, to convince whoever it is that's blocking that deal that we actually do need that deal to go. I really hope that's not true. I I can't say it was just a theory that I heard. That's, that's insanity. If that would be the case. Um, Anyways, that I, I I dislike that even more. Um, <laughs> hopefully that's not real. Here's the other couple of things. I'm only going to bring apart two more sentences, and I think it's important because, um, like I've said on the show before, I want everybody to do well. I like video games, um, but I have been saying before that there's problems at Microsoft. I, I think it's not a surprise at all. Um, I have friends who work there. Blah blah. Full disclosure, as you, as you say, I want them to succeed, but there's got to be changes in management. There has to be at this point. So here's another thing he said. If Starfield is 11 out of 10, people won't sell their PlayStations. Yeah, of course they won't. Because sure. that's, it's it, again, the sentences that he'll say lots of times in interviews are misdirection. It reminds me of politicians, you know? Of course they're not going to fucking sell their PlayStation. But if the Starfield's really good and then the two other games come out after it that's really good, people might go buy an Xbox. So I just think that's a broken sentence. There's no context there. That's what he meant to say. Yeah, yeah. And I just think that that's, a, that's one of the many false statements. That's just objectively untrue. Like, of course they won't tell their PlayStation, but that's not the point. Sure. I don't. I mean, I, you know, just kind of hyperbolic. I mean, I don't think anybody is really... I mean, I, I'm sure that there are people out there who can't afford to have two consoles. And I, I have had friends in the past who, like, had to sell their 360 to get a PlayStation or had to sell their PlayStation to get a 360 or whatever, you know, like back. I mean, I've had friends who do that because, you know, budgets, real life. I've I get done it, that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we all at some point have probably done that yeah. in our younger days. But I don't I don't think that anybody these days is like in order for us to succeed, we must get our audience to sell their other competitors console. That would be a really insane thing. So it's kind of weird that he did say that. I mean, well, and, agree, and but... just to kind of finish that thought and maybe to clarify you know, along those same lines, which I didn't really write down, but I remember now, he had mentioned something about how he also doesn't think, these are huge statements, 
that he doesn't think people are going to switch ecosystems, that everybody has their digital library and they're not going to change now. Sure. And that's sure. What's, that's kind of tied to that statement, right? Also not true because one, here's how I can debunk it in a second. The minute you buy an Xbox, you get Game Pass, which obviously, you know, they love promoting. That is a digital library. So the idea that like you won't go to this Xbox platform because that you have your own PlayStation library or Nintendo library is hogwash. Mm, like I think you're no, nah, I gotta I gotta take you, the other side. Are you gonna one, take dude. me to test on that one? Yeah, I think I think that is a factor actually. I do have several friends and in fact many of my son's friends because he's uh, just turned fourteen and all of his you know, all of his friends are online. They're all chronically online playing games and stuff. Um and that was a big factor uh, when we talked to some of the other parents who got PlayStations and we went with Xbox. Uh, and, and, uh, so to clarify, for me as a games critic, I am in a very unique space. I think you're probably in a, in a unique space as well. So for me, if you look at my like, I literally just checked a little while ago on PlayStation, Xbox and Switch. I've all got about in the neighborhood of a thousand games each in each library. Right. So I've got between those three, I've got 3000 games sitting there. Right. Because because I'm an editor, I get a bunch of free games. I buy a bunch of stuff on sale, like whatever. I, I play more games than most people. I'm in the one percent of gamers or whatever. And not to be like not to be all snobby or anything, but like just just for fact of what I do, I, I am in a different area than most players. And that's it, just a fact. Just a mm-hmm. fact. So for me, I could have easily said PlayStation and been fine or I could have been Xbox and been fine because I had all library in each one. But I do know a lot of people who in the past have invested really heavily. Right. They um, have really invested in like the 360 library. Like, you know, if you want to go back a couple generations, um, but wherever they really got big on games, I feel like that energy carried over. So like all my all my friends, uh, my kids friends went PlayStation because they went PlayStation last generation and they didn't want to rebuy the games. They had all stuff that they could still access. You know, of course, there's like compatibility issues and what carried over and what didn't, et cetera, et cetera. But I did. I do know a lot of people where that was a factor where they're like, we spent all this money on PlayStation. I'm not going to go Xbox now or, or vice versa or whatever. You know, I don't see it really with Switch people. Mostly for me, PlayStation, Xbox, which is kind of its own like it's its own thing. Separate thing. Yeah. 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 But well, I, d- I definitely I do know people who did make that decision. I see that, but also if you th- and this kind of goes my, my last point with the 360. I was 360 more than PS3, right? Like I hundred percent was. Same. And again, why were we both so? Yeah, of course, because they had more games, and they yep. just—I mean—that's it. That's right. And at some point, PlayStation turned it around. They got they a, a bunch of exclusives, and they really focused on software, and they started winning the game. And then they, they won hard in PS4. So the point is, it's still about the games. And I think that you will switch ecosystems if the fucking games are there. Now, to your point, yes, of course it makes it difficult, especially because I'm still just getting out of debt. I understand fucking not having enough money. And then you have all your stuff in one basket. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, you know, people who love games want to play the the, the most exciting, interesting games. They're going to go where the games are. At some point, like you said, you might sell your old console. So maybe I'm going full circle and saying that he's wrong. People... Uh, might sell their playstations because it is about you know being where the games are so i don't know what i'm saying anymore but well i think there's also the factor of time to consider that we haven't really mentioned so far you know a couple generations ago it didn't matter because we were buying everything on disc right it's only really recently that basically everybody has switched over to download i know people still get like you know they buy the discs and i know that's still the thing like but like but honestly like uh, digital downloads has really exploded so it's it might be more of a factor now 
because you might not have those games discs laying around. Like you may have an online library that you dip into all the time. So it might, I'm, and I agree with you. I don't think anybody's going to never switch over. Um, but I think they probably would just add one. Uh, exactly. Bought, exactly. Yeah. 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 If you've bought like 300 games on your hard drive and you, and that's where you're invested and you're not rich. I mean, I'm not rich for sure. I would, that would definitely be a factor for me. And, and since things are more online now, I think it has more weight than it used to. I think that's where I'll land on it too. And I, I think that, what I was originally trying to say is true, uh, or at least my, what I'm thinking is true is that you can, you know, the 11 out of 10 Starfield game could get people to go to Xbox and just keep their PlayStation. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's agree. it. Yeah. Like yeah. I, what I would do is to say like, <clears throat> uh, uh, Starfield is, is amazing. And there's like four other exclusives coming out and Skyrim finally comes out. Right. And that's, I can't fucking play that in PlayStation. And let's just say it, it stealth drops next year. And I didn't have an Xbox. I would start saving money for an Xbox. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like 100%. Yeah. So sure, my, sure. Last, my last thing I'll uh, talk to about that he mentioned is if we build great games, everything would just turn around. And he said, it's just not true. He said, nothing we could do like with great games would help us win the console race. So there's a couple of things that break apart there. One, again, like a good politician, he always mixes ideas together. And so he doesn't, in my opinion, Carlos's opinion, he doesn't answer questions. I don't think he really does. Um, and so this is like a three-part answer to like a different question. But if we build great games, everything would turn around, he said, and that's just not true. And he did put a period at the end of that. So that's the one that a lot of people are taking him to task on it on YouTube. And they're, I mean, that's how my opinion as well. That's insanity again, times three. I mean, I'm with you on that one. That's a pretty that's a pretty crazy statement to make since great games is what wins the war. That wins everything. And so yeah. and then if you yeah. want to put an asterisk on it and say right after that, he said it won't change the console race right now. Well, maybe, you know, but again, that's just a defeatist attitude. They'll be like, well, we have no shot at it. So, you know, so that's a really I didn't hear that part of the of the interview. That's a really strange thing to say, because. If they came out with an equivalent, you know, like, like, let's say, let's just for the sake of argument, Starfield is amazing. And let's say that, you know, like you said, Skyrim 2 or whatever comes out and then they've got like some kind of, I don't know, parallel to God of War or something. Like if they started getting games that were not exclusive, I think that would make that would be a big fucking deal. I think people would would really uh, would come around or would consider buying an Xbox if they don't have one. But I guess I guess my question also is is interesting because. You know, we're talking about this because of the spectacular failure of Redfall. Uh, but I mean, exactly what position is Xbox in? I doubt they're going to go broke. I doubt anybody is like, oh, no, if we don't sell 10 more copies of Redfall. Then Phil got to go like I, they're not there. Right. So, I mean, I, in my mind, I guess I just want to know what goals are they setting for themselves? What what benchmarks are they using? Uh, because, you know, you've got three major players. If you're not counting PC, uh, someone's always got to be number three. Right. And so, like. It, it kind of rotates. We've seen one people be in first place one generation and not in the next. And it's like, I just kind of want to know, I mean, is he saying they're not even making profit right now? Like it's not a viable business anymore. I doubt that's where they're at. So what are they really using to measure success in this? I think. Well, okay. We won't spend too much more time, but to answer that question and to kind of add a new one, I think that in general, Microsoft has, you know, a trillion dollars, whatever it is. Sure. So, but again, as we know, both you and I have worked at bigger companies. I'm working for one right now. Uh, and it's actually very relevant. Um, there are divisions in big companies. Sure. Everything isn't Amazon. Everything isn't Microsoft. Um, and so there's an Xbox division. For the longest time, again, in my opinion, um, 
they haven't really cared about Xbox. Like actually in the very beginning days, they were like, you know, th- I have actual quotes from like managers there being like, yeah, for X- the very first Xbox. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. go ahead and try that little thing, but we're not going to spend too much time on it. You know what I mean? Um, and then they were like, oh shit, that's making us money. We should probably focus on it. I just feel like they've always, it's always been mismanagement in general and Microsoft period. That's Carl's opinion uh, only. And then also I think mismanagement of Xbox and Xbox studios. And so that's where we are, where we are, where Microsoft can always feed it, right? Because they don't run out of money. But how much are they going to feed it enough for it to be relevant to gamers? And that's where we sit. Because I don't think they're looking at the budget. They're looking at the budget within, I do think Phil could just be gone. I do think that managers can leave. But I don't think it's because of the money part. It's because right, of right, like, right. let's write just this bad shit. decision making. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it's 2000. When, when did Xbox Series X come out? 2022, I believe. I don't know. Um, or whenever it came out. It's been, you know, many, many years since we've had exclusive games, right? And that's, and now they're like, okay, it's 2024. That's when they're all going to come out, actually, besides Starfield. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I agree with you for sure. I think that they. You know, I kind of wonder if they were just kind of like splitting focus. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I think you're probably more right than you're not. And about and the management s- of it, you mean like Yeah, about the management in general, um, and about the lack of exclusives. I, I kinda wonder if them developing like Game Pass for PC and having this like all in one package, I wonder if that has kind of tripped them up a little bit. Like trying to, to hit so many gamers, you know, it's gotta be on your phone, it's gotta be on PC, it's gotta be mm-hmm. on Xbox. I wonder if developing to that standard, which is only a hop, skip, and a jump onto PlayStation or something like that. I wonder if they, I wonder if they just have been trying to cast too wide a net, and and because of that, they haven't really focused in on the killer exclusive that would only be on the X or the S. You know what I mean? You you literally took the notes right out of my notepad. Oh snap! Because here's what I wrote, wrote down as my final thought. Did I steal your thunder? You on the just very said last my one? final thought. You said my Jerry Springer <laughs> final thought. That's amazing. My final thought is they have PC, so bigwigs don't care. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder. I, I mean, again, it's yeah. They and I mean, there's that. There's that thing, but there's also like the negative part is just spreading themselves too thin. Like, oh, you can play it on your phone. You could do this cloud gaming, blah blah. blah. But like, yeah, people just want one really good exclusive yeah. game. And this is my last final final thought, which is. Someone said this on a YouTube video. I can't take credit, but they said if Nintendo didn't have exclusives, it wouldn't sell its console. And well, c- sure. Cause, well, because people say like still, and even Xbox, you know, I want to say apologists, but we'll be like, oh, you don't need exclusives, but you do. Like, I just, an, yes, this I, world I you think, need them. Yes, in this one, I, I do think you need them, but I think Nintendo specifically. It's funny because <laughs> anecdotally, if you're talking about me, no. I absolutely donate exclusives for the Switch. Is that's what we're talking about? Because I've got so many fucking games on the Switch that are not Nintendo exclusive. But at the same time, I hear the same belly aching all the time. There's no Nintendo games because there hasn't been a new Mario Party because there hasn't been a new Mario Mainline game for a while. And so, so those people are like, no exclusives. There's nothing to play on the Switch. Blah, 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 blah. But actually, for me, where I'm like, I don't really. I mean, I'll play Mario. I, I got nothing against Mario. But I've also got like 995 other games that are not from Nintendo, which keep me very happy. For me, I'm fine. Uh, yeah. But I can see how people say that. And that is the common refrain for sure. But let me let me circle back to what you said a second ago about being spread too thin. Because the last thing that I have in this section before we move on was yeah. 
a dark, dirty rumor. I, I have no idea if this is true at all. Ooh, I want to hear it. Let's do it. This is straight up rumor, you guys. This is not this is not me saying a fact, right? But I'm hearing, which kind of contradicts what Phil said um, about the mock reviews. I'm hearing that they saw Redfall was not going to come together early on. And so they decided to take away the key people on that project and they left behind. I'm, I'm not saying they left like bad people. I'm No person is a bad person. I'm not trying to throw anybody in the bus here. But a big game saying, takes a lot of people. Yeah, it takes a lot of people yeah. and they were probably understaffed and they wanted to get, they knew this wasn't going to be it. So they took away the team or most of the team or part of the team and put them on whatever the next arcane thing is because that's the thing that they feel like is good. And the the left behind team was like, okay, well, I guess we got to ship Redfall. So that kind of makes more sense to me than our internal mock reviewers didn't see any problems because that's fucking crazy. I agree with you. And I'm going to say it's a, a fact <laughs> because that sounds really possible because that sounds yeah very possible. the way that this game is and the way it doesn't feel un- uh, unfinished and yeah. how we know arcane is so good that that's 100 percent it that's got to be it because yeah. it i, w- feels I like, would never accuse arcane of being unfocused and yet in this game it feels 100 percent unfocused yeah well okay and my final 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 thought <laughs> because you just made me think about it is all right i think the core problem i have is the mismanagement because I think you can write any ship, right? Obviously, we just watched it and we oh, talked yeah. about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Xbox 360, PS3 to the PS4 era, Xbox One stumbling, you know, and then pick yourselves up. But I don't think the Series X write it itself yet. You know, it's not picked itself up yet, even though it had a, a great, uh, you know, strong console or whatever that's com- comparable in, in speed and ability. Uh, it's the games, right? And they didn't even launch with Halo Infinite. So I think that there's just mismanagement. And I think that the old school thinking of Microsoft proper, the huge company is just throw money at things. Right. And I think that trickles down into Xbox because, you know, buying up these studios, but then not managing them correctly. Yeah. Is bad. We've definitely seen that happen for sure. Well, and that's what we're talking about with Redfall. Like that's a Microsoft level management, you know, cause Arcane left to their own devices, maybe have a different time schedule or maybe like change that game, you know, or whatever. I don't know. But yeah. yeah. They, I'm guessing they were like, okay, this is what we're going to do, <laughs> you know? And I watched a lot of games when I did, was there for like a small amount of time, you know, not make it or get, you know, changed or something. And I don't know. I think that's one of the core problems. So, Yeah, I think that maybe they decided to cut their losses and move on. That makes a lot more sense to me than we just didn't realize it was a good game. That That's insane, yeah, especially yeah, coming yeah. from Arcane, where I don't... I may not be the biggest Arcane fan, but I would never say that they don't know how to make what they want to make. I mean, I think right. they have been very successful at what they have been attempting to do until now. Yeah. So that seems like a very strange um, left turn for them. So. All right. Well, closing up the big box, we thought we'd talk about it because it is in all the news. There we go. There we go. Okay. And that is the end of housekeeping. That was a pretty major housekeeping session. I feel like the house is pretty clean right now. It's clean. Like it's sparkling. We are in good shape. All right, we're going to leave the house behind and get on to the main portion of the show here at episode 335. Carlos, we're starting with you with a little game called D-Exit. Wow, I am of two minds of this game. Okay. I've started to, like, start every review, like, uh, where I just, like, do a summary like that. Where you are of two minds. I mean, you can say that about any game, really. I guess I am. Uh, yeah. No, there's a uh, there's a game I'm talking about today that I just love. So, well, but uh, you could say it though, even if you didn't mean it. I could say anything. There you I go. I could say I love and hate this game. But really, you just love it. No, I do love and hate it. 
Okay. Yeah. So Dexit Eternal Matters is actually the full name I just remembered. Oh, thank you, thank you. By Sandbloom Studio. Sandbloom Studio. Um, so this is a pixely voxel, no voxely type looking game. Yeah, kind of Minecrafty. Minecrafty looking. You're a skeleton, but you're actually just um, a person who's died, and so this is the form you take, which is a skeleton. Uh, you meet many other skeleton type creatures. Um, but what you are is you are existing in this place called the plane of existence or uh, plane of afterlife. I forgot what it's specifically called, but it's basically the plane in between like uh, after you die and you're not going to hell or something. And it's kind of in between. And it's also, you know, fantasy and I, this idea that there's guardians in these spaces and there's like, um, there's a lot of like business going on in the afterlife. It's not just okay. like heaven and hell, right? It's like, there's like sectors with guardians and lots of stuff. Anyways, you're a skeleton in the afterlife. You get there um, because you arrive at some unusual point where one of the guardians died. Very RPG-ish kind of thing. You're deemed a lux, which means that you can like help, you know, save the world um, for some reason. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so you're a skeleton. You're in the afterlife. You've got to save the, the world. Well, you have to save the afterlife. And that's the setup. The whole game is third person in this kind of like skeleton voxel kind of thing. Um, it's beautiful. This is a kind of 50-50. It's beautiful and also simple. So, you know, it's very, very voxely, the whole landscape as well. But the lighting and the shading and stuff and the music, it's very like cinematic. Um, so a mixture of, it feels like Minecraft Legends in a way, where okay. like the voxels are like, you know, lit, lit really well. Uh, lighting goes a long way. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Sure. So anyways, it's beautiful and simple. And as your skeleton, you know, you're going to start this uh, adventure in the afterlife to save things, whatever. So here's the the main uh, problem. Two of the main problems. One, and I hate this with any game, you start the game with um, some story stuff and then it's stealth mission. The very first thing. Oh, no. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you shine a flashlight to see the monster and if you don't like shine the flashlight on them, then you can't see it and you might just die, you know, randomly. Is it kind of like a fog of war sort of a thing? It's just you can't see it. They're just like these spirits. Them. Yeah. Okay. And then like if you shine the light too long, it like then it sees you more or something. It's like fucked. And it took me way too long. This is all before the title card. So it took me way too long and I was almost going to nope out. I was like, is this the game? Is it a stealth game? I don't want to play a stealth game. But it wasn't. It, I, it was that whole room I had to beat. I beat that room. It jumped to another mini game where I had to run away from something that's like instant kill. This sounds like the case of the really bad decision in starting your game off. Bad decision starting the game off Um, because, and I'll get to it, there's some really cool stuff here. But I just was so frustrated by the beginning. I finally got to the main hub town and it's an actual town and they're bringing you around. They're saying like, you're going to do all these things. It's an open world-ish type game now. You have a jump button, you can crouch, you know, crouch and you can mantle and stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. But then they did a long tour where I couldn't move, you know, those kind of things where you're just kind of mm-hmm. walking with the person. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this game isn't an open world game. But long story short, I did get finally able to free roam and run around. And yeah, you basically have like abilities and powers. And obviously they get better over time. And you can jump and mantle like almost anything, which is kind of fun. And the atmosphere they create in this, like, afterlife town 
is really cool. Like everything's skeletons. So like there's little skeleton cats and like skeleton rats running by and birds and stuff. And it just, the atmosphere they built is really cool looking. And, and you want to be in exist in this world. It's fun. The problem is I just keep getting lost and stuck. Like totally. Like the one I'm stuck on right now is I just can't find a, a person. Like mm. they said, go find Mimi in the, in a shop. And they said, there's signs. And I'm like, okay, cool. I probably won't need them, but okay. I, I said the sign and it says Mimi's to the right. So I went to the right and there's a ladder, which doesn't seem like a shop. I went up to the roof. Mimi's not on the roof. <laughs> then I went around the corner. Mimi's not over there either. So right is wrong. You know what I mean? Like oh she's not so to the right. Right. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of my least favorite things in all of gaming is getting lost and searching for something. And if, especially if somebody says what you assume is probably good directions. Oh yeah. Just to the right, take a ro- right on the road. And then you go there and it's like, Oh, wait a minute. There's like, you know, a million miles to a search on the right side or something like that. I don't oh, know. I, I just feel like, you know, it's a short review because I got to go back and play some more. I, it's it's working my last nerve because every new thing I think I figured out I don't know. Like another thing, I just moved this box recently, and an orb appeared or something appeared underneath it, but I can't interact with it, and it doesn't tell me like come back later. You don't you know you can't get this now or something. It's just there and I don't know what to do with it. So it just seems like a lot of stuff is not explanatory, and then also some bad decisions. Um, and I'm just so afraid if there's more of those stealth missions later because I don't want to play them, like, at all. But I do like the running around and jumping and some of the abilities um, and, like, light, in quotes, combat, right? Gotcha. So, gotcha. yeah, I don't know about this game, and I want to like it, if that's if that's a review. I mean, I saw a trailer, and it looks kind of interesting visually, but what you're saying to me is not instilling with confidence, right? It sounds like they did a couple of false starts with those little mini games, which isn't really what the game is about and kind of gives you the wrong impression. And then you get there and then you're kind of lost and maybe they're not great with signposting and like, uh, like the stuff, I mean, stuff can be cute and maybe have a good idea, but like literally you just told me like two or three negatives right off the bat. So to me, that's like, you're out. Like, I'm not going to trust you with the rest of that game. You know what I'm saying? I think the thing that is keeping me around and the thing, you know, I, I can't really comment on now, but it's in their show notes or their show notes, their game notes, is that even though I don't want to do stealth and the puzzles seem fine enough, but I like the platforming and the action stuff. That's I wish the whole game was just that from the beginning. Yeah. But yeah. the storytelling is very interesting because, again, the idea of being after life and experiencing like this other existence that, you know, it kind of makes you not afraid of death as much. We didn't really talk about this kind of on the show a lot, but, you know, it's obviously we're all going to die at some point. Oh, man, we're getting heavy, dude. We're getting And in kind of a light way, this game addresses that. And you don't have to believe this is what happens. But the point is, when I was playing it, and I'm remembering this just now, I, I kept wanting to play it even with those damn stealth mission because I like the perspective that they were giving me, right? Right. Like right. this colorful world, uh, like people were doing like, you know, a party. There was like lasers, like a laser show. And even though we're all skeletons, I was like, I could get down with this. Like if this <laughs> is the afterlife, I don't even mind I'm a skeleton because it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, and just it just made my perspective. And I never thought I would get to this point either, but 
in this review, but it made the simple game made my perspective of after death change a smidge. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I have my own thoughts on it, but like, this is interesting. Like it could be this, you know? Well, that's a pretty major, I guess, compliment to give to a game where it is. You're like I played this game and all of a sudden it made me not afraid of dying. I mean, that's pretty, that's, that's, that's a pretty a big pretty, statement. That's like eight out of 10. Yeah, that's I mean, at that's least a, eight out of 10. So. so I give it eight out of 10 for perspective. How about that? Okay, that's fair. I, um, hear, what you, I hear what you're saying. I, I do actually. Eight out of, oh, don't put it in the Metacritic, but. No, but yeah. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at with it. So because of that, you know, I might go back and, and suffer through some misdirection in, in game design. Um, I really do like the world. And I think they do the jumping and mantling pretty well. All right, there we go. Well, well, put some more time into it and circle back. Let us know if it develops, if it pans out, if it gives you any more deep insights into the human condition. Nice. I would be very interested to hear about I that. I will, so. just for that. All right, all right. Let me talk for a minute here um, about a game called, I guess, Zoeti. I'm not sure how to pronounce that one. Z-O-E-T-I. Apologies if I'm getting that wrong. There was no pronunciation guide in there. Um, this is a turn-based deck builder and you know that i play every single one of those you so sure do. this genre is basically my jam um this is one where you oh I, I am i of two minds of this one no i am of one mind of this you one have one mind uh yeah basically so it's a 2d it's got some really cute art i think the art is what really kind of drew me to it really nice colorful style kind of soft style to it i like the graphics um basically you start off with one of the characters There's ultimately i think three characters i did not unlock the other two just had the one from the i think it's like a knight and it's it's sort of a deck builder but not really because what happens is they give you this kind of like overcomplicated system where you are drawing cards and each card is you know there's like a sword attack for two damage there's a shield defend for three or something you know it's pretty basic but what they do is they the stronger the card uh, the more resources it takes and how you make these resources is because you have to play hands of poker. So what happens is you get dealt out the cards, but unlike in other games where you would simply choose a card and play it, you're like, oh, well, if I want to do the broadsword, I need to have a straight. And then you look at what you got and then the, uh, you can either choose it yourself or you can also, uh, if you manipulate the controller a different way, it'll just tell you what you have available. It'll be like, oh, you've got two pair, you've got a straight, you've got a flush, and then you choose which one you want to do. Uh, and to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think the system adds anything at all to the gameplay. It's just complicated for complicated sake. I think you could have easily done a similar system with a, a more easy to understand interface. Like if you needed a, a a big attack to take four resource, we'll just deal with the resource. Don't make it be like a straight or make it be like a, a flush or like, a, you know, like any of the poker hands. Mm. Um, it, it just felt complicated for complicated sake. I don't feel like it really added anything to me. Um, because once you take away the poker system, it's ultimately very straightforward. Um, and I didn't feel like it was really grabbing me at all in terms of, of a complexity of gameplay or structure or or anything that I was doing. It was just like deck builder, but you're doing poker, kind of. And I'm like, mm, OK, okay. that yeah, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Didn't quite work. I will also say the writing was like nails on chalkboard to me. Uh, it's got that really kind of like really irritating kind of anime scripting where like cute girls ask for head pats, that kind of a thing. And I was just like, Oh, it's like, I, I was getting hives. I'm, I'm allergic to that stuff. And so the story was not good. And interesting because when you fail, you have to do the tutorial again. And I had to sit through all that dialogue again and you go through the same cutscenes again. And it's like, I, I hated it the first time. I don't want to see it again. 
And this is a strangely difficult game. Um, the difficulty ramps up really quickly, really fast. Oh and goodness. I am no stranger to deck builders, dude. You know I'm not. I am no stranger to roguelikes. And I was like, whoa, this game is melting my face off. And I've only been playing for like half an hour. This is way too hard for where I'm at right now. Um, I'm officially yeah, just, allergic to this game. Oh, it, yeah. I just I thought it would be cute. And it is visually cute. But otherwise, I feel like it was a miss on all of the other systems it did not work for me on basically any level okay let's uh never talk about it again because the minute you said poker i was out um i mean yeah i I mildly am interested in playing cards with a friend maybe but like definitely not in a context like this i just feel like it's a weird thing and then difficult and roguelike and you saying that oh yeah it's you know i'll put up with a lot dude and this game was like it just got on my bad side right off the bat so okay all right, moving on to Secret Agent Cold War Espionage. This is a 3D third person. To be honest, it looked like from the trailers, it looks like Hitman on a budget is what it looks like. And I'm like, okay, I could be down with that. Like, I like I like me some Hitman. I know you do too. And I'm like, I don't mind low budget games. That's totally fine. I can get down to some, uh, you know, characters made out of six polygons as long as the game is fun and all that. Basically, you play as a spy, and it's really hard to tell what's going on. The story is not well told, and you start the game off, and they kind of just throw you in there. Um, Not enough guidance in the tutorial. The tutorial was really crap. Uh, The camera is really crazy. I find it hard to control the camera. Um, Your guy cannot jump. I got stopped by, like, little curbs and stuff. Stuff that you think that, you know, that Agent 47 would, like, mantle over no problem or... You know, he this this character is not able to maneuver around the environment. And ultimately, it turns out to be a very linear experience. But you don't know what the steps are, really. There are some hints above, but they're kind of vague. And I just didn't I didn't get what the game wanted me to do. And I think this is a perfect example of a game where the developer has a very specific thing in mind and it's in their mind, which is fine. But they need to get it out of their mind and into your mind. And they can't do that unless you communicate right and so there was a lot of spots where i was like i don't know what i should be thinking in order to solve this puzzle whatever is making sense to the developer at this point i'm lost i'm we're not on the same track right now and Mm -hmm. i don't know how to follow your train of thought there was many times when i was like i don't understand what i'm doing i don't understand what my objective is i don't know what to do i don't know what's possible i don't know what's impossible Um, it's just the situation where they really needed to take some more time to teach the player what kind of experience this is, what they can do, what they can't teach them, how to think about this game, get me off on the right path. And then I'll take it from there. Uh, but they just kind of launch into things and I got stuck often had to look for a walkthrough, like in the very first level, cause I didn't know what, what was even going on. Um, and it just kind of just didn't get any better from there. So I'm sure that there's a nugget of something good here. I think low budget Hitman is something I would definitely like to check out, but for this particular game, I really feel like the developer needs to take a step back. He needs to do some, he or she or they need to do some focus testing with players who have never played this game before. And I think that they would very quickly discover, oh, I'm not really communicating my ideas properly. I'm not really explaining what I want you to do. That's why you're stuck every five seconds. And I was out. Yeah, the graphics look cool, though. I'm looking at screenshots. I did, yeah, the trailer kind of sold me. The trailer kind of sold me, but... yeah. Ooh, it, that that vibe in the trailer did not pan out to vibe in the game. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, um, it looks like it's this is an only on Xbox game. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm sure it's on PC as well. No, I, I just looked for it on Steam and it's not there. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's like it's an exclusive. I don't know. 
Well, Anyways, there you go, there Phil Spencer. Is. That's where you spent your money. You spent it on Secret Agent Cold War. <laughs> the exclusive espionage. is there, people. Just gotta look for it hard enough. It's Cold yeah. War espionage. It's a bummer because, like you said, the trailer kind of sells it, and I was kind of down for this. Yeah. But mm, no. no. Okay, okay. Walking by. Walking it by. Uh, Franbo. Let's talk about Franbo. You oh, mentioned it really briefly okay. last episode, and it's on my wish list pretty hard. I hit that wish list really, really, really firmly. Uh, but twenty bucks, I think, was not my my zone. Uh, but I would love to hear about your revisit to this game. I mean, spoiler, I know you already love it. So let's let's hear you love it some more. I, I do love it some more. And it's been fun to play it on my couch on my big TV. And that's why I rebought it. Um, yeah, I mean, I just want to bring back up because, again, I'm uh, not a shill for them, but I just love Kill Monday games so much. Um, wait, what does shill mean? Like kind of a paid sellout. You're just like yeah. you're, you're hyping them out with. Yeah, I'm not that. You know, I'm not okay. that. Um, this podcast, if you go back through the years, I'll say a word and then I, I don't know what it is. And I ask if I got it right. And then you say, I did get it right. So then that's I a should've... drinking game. dude. We should make that a drinking game. It is. That's a lot of them. Anyways. Um, no, I just love him to death and I love little misfortune. I love this game and I love the new game, which they haven't really shown a lot of, but it's going to be a third person game finally, uh, which they've never done. Hmm, and, okay. uh, it's going to be with, um, um, uh, well, I don't want to say too much because I, I know some things. Maybe I don't. I'm not supposed to say. I don't know. Uh, anyways, it's going to be really cool. So, well, it's, I can say that's Benjamin, the fox from Little Misfortune. Uh, okay. Is a third person game with, with him in it. So it's going to okay. be really fucking good. So anyways, this game is similar to Little Misfortune. If you haven't played that, play that. I would say actually play this first. And if you like this, uh, Little Misfortune is actually lighter in the fact that it's not as gross or dark. Uh, this has a lot of like grossness in it, as you know, if you listen to the podcast. I don't like gross, but why this works and why I'm kind of almost like giving this re-review for you, Brad, um, is because there's a lot of horrific stuff, especially in the very beginning. This is not a spoiler, but it's the story is about a, a girl who um, finds her her parents dead. It's all kind of weird and and kind of dreamlike and how it happens, but basically you know, finds them in a gruesome way, right? And then you, she wakes up in a kind of a mental institution, um, psychological ward, where they're like kind of reviewing her and she's, you know, has trauma from this event. But they also don't believe her a lot. And they, you know, it's kind of suspect about like where she is and why this place is so creepy. And yeah, just creepy stuff is happening all over the place. Um, and so you're basically, you know, piloting this girl around to try to escape this place because she doesn't <clears throat> think she belongs there. And, you know, she had this horrific thing happen, so she's pretty sad all the time. So in Little Misfortune, that same style of story is told where there's a little girl, she's sad most of the time, a lot of bad things happen to her, and she goes on this adventure. Um, so they, they share that. The difference is Little Misfortune is more about the jokes and really more about, like, just really, like, stunning you with kind of funny moments that uh, Little Misfortune says. And this one, there's no voice acting, right? This is an older game they made. And it's just like a text adventure, true point-and-click text adventure, which, again, you know, you know, both of us don't really like too much. But why this works is because it has that same DNA that Little Misfortune has, which is, and going back, long-winded answer to why I'm telling you again, Brad, is that even though what's got darker stuff than Little Misfortune, 
it has the same DNA as Little Misfortune where you can be in the most fucked up situation with Franbo and you're in this little place. Um, and well, Fran and, uh, and everything's gone to shit and you might've seen it decapitation or something, but then you meet a quirky little character and you get on its back and you ride away into like an Alice in Wonderland area. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. also her sensibility is like, like whatever, like she's like, uh, going against the grain, you know, like little misfortune was as well, where you feel incapable hands of like this girl, even though shit's going down she seems to be she's not like losing her shit you know she's like i'm gonna have to do this now i'm gonna have to do this now which again is similar to little misfortune so i'm just bringing it back up to the show because i wanted to revisit it and make sure it wasn't just a super dark game that i remember liking for some reason it's it is that it's got that quirkiness that really weird Alice in wonderland kind of macabre stuff and it has the humor in it it still has that in it but it's got darker shit too excellent excellent this sounds like a winner i really do want to try this one i will probably nab it when it goes on sale um because as we discussed earlier 20 dollars for most games for me is a no-go but 15 is like a sure let's do it and it's weird how five dollars can make a difference but it really does and um when it hits that 15 or even lower than that i'll, I'll go for it for sure all right well also yeah i think it's worth every penny and if you if you're not brad and you use steam in general I know you use it sometimes, um, but for a game like this, I don't think you're going to play it nah, on Steam. I wouldn't play this on Steam. No. For other people who would play this game on Steam, it's seven fifty. Oh, see, if they'd launched at that price, I'd be like, oh, yeah, instant buy, dude, no problem. Yeah. 10 bucks, you bet, you bet. But I'm just, again, speaking for the developers, not them specifically, but all indie developers, it costs a bunch of money to port it to the console and a lot of hours. Oh, sure, granted. And so granted. they're trying to make some money back on what they spent a long time doing. Which, oh, by sure. the way, another asterisk, I know this for a fact, they wrote Frambo in, like, Game Maker, I believe. Oh, okay. Which is old school game construction toolkit style, which is still around. But to port that with code to go to Xbox and, you know, PlayStation and Switch, right? I think and Switch. Um, it's just fucking difficult, you know? Yeah, yeah. I so, mean, I don't mean to devalue anybody's efforts. I, You know, I definitely think people need to get paid. And, and I'm not and, saying and you were either. I'm just, oh, no, no, yeah. no. I'm just I'm just saying just for just to say, you know, I know that, you know, I, I believe in, in paying people value for money. Unfortunately, I don't have as much money as I wish that I did. And if I did, I would be happy to to, to spread it around and, and share it. And it's ironic, too, because I actually originally got into video game reviewing because I was broke as a motherfucker and I wanted some games and I heard you get free games. <laughs> and I thought, well, shit, I, I grew up poor and I still kind of am poor and I want to get some games. And boy, howdy, do I have games now? I mean, I ain't got two pennies that i made from game reviewing it pays like shit like you cannot make a living off it but if you need free games that is your jam so luckily i got another job but yeah you know i, I get into this for 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 the, for the freebies but if i was richer i would be very glad to drop 20 bucks on them if i had plenty of money i would no problem but uh, unfortunately i'm not that guy all right well everybody check it out uh and brad will check it out on sale and yes on steam uh overwhelmingly positive which is hard to do on a, on a yeah. steam game so Check it out for sure, and I'm going to rebeat it uh, very soon. Right on, right on. All right, let me talk for a minute about Revita. Speaking of not re. rebeating, but re. Yeah. Revita, R-E-V-I-T-A. This is a 2D roguelike action platformy sort of thing 
We reviewed it. I believe Eugene Sachs did a review for it at Game Critics a while ago. It just now came to console. I think he covered it on PC, I believe. Um, and uh, it's a it's a it's a roguelike. It is a roguelike. It's one of those where it does what it does pretty well, but I don't think anything about it really stands out in a notable way. Speaking as speaking as the guy who plays all the roguelikes, right? I play literally like every one. Mm-hmm. So you got to have a good hook for me. Um, and I don't think it does have that hook, but I think it's pretty good at what it does. It controls well. The jumping feels okay. The shooting feels okay. Um, I will say downside, it looks too pixely on a big screen. I think it's meant for the Switch probably. I think it would look just fine on Switch, but on my big screen TV playing on the Xbox, I'm like, ah, this looks chunky and gross. Like it's, it does not look right. It, the, the pixels just way too big. It's a more um, of a platforming one or what's the yeah, style? Yeah, it's kind of a platforming. What happens is like you, you take your character, you get into a room uh, and it's like a room by room, sort of a roguelike where you just get into this room and then you just shoot things. There's flying things, crawling things, jumping things. You shoot everything in a room. Once you shoot everything and they're done, you leave the room and go to a new room. And it's just like single room kind of action, mm. jumping, shooting, pretty platformy. Uh, the rooms are pretty bite size. Uh, I will say that after an hour or two, I felt like I was kind of just doing the same thing over and over. Um, one of the key things about a roguelike is each run has to feel kind of different. And this one did not feel significantly different in the weapons that I got and what I was doing. It kind of felt kind of samey. Um, happening way too soon. Like, I, you know, I realize that, you know, some some sameness is going to happen regardless. But it's one thing to feel samey after 100 hours as it is to feel samey after one hour, right? Well, but to that so, point, though, in their description, it says there's procedurally generated stuff, though. Oh, is it procedural? That might explain it. Then. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that might explain it. I am not a fan of procedural generation, especially when it comes to roguelikes. Mm. Uh, I didn't know that going in and I didn't know that till just now, but that makes a lot of sense into like kind of how bland it felt. Um, that's a very common denominator when it comes to those uh, randomly generated things. Um, the, the interesting thing, though, there is one cool thing about this. Very cool. Not cool enough to save it for me, but still pretty cool is that your money is also your health. And so let's say, for example, you've got five hearts and you go into a room and someone's like, oh, man, here's a really badass gun. It's going to cost you three hearts. And you're like, OK, well, I've only got five. If I spend three, I'm going to have this awesome gun and I'm going to probably shoot some shit and I'm going to be strong. But that also means I've only got two hearts left. And if I take some hits, I'm going to be out. So like balancing the risk and reward is really cool. I like that a lot. I think it's a cool idea Mm. to have your money be your health. And almost every single decision was like, do you want this in exchange for minus X amount of hearts or something like that? So a neat system. I don't know that I've ever encountered that specific system before, which I think is a good innovation. And I think a cool idea. Um, unfortunately, I just feel like the rest of the action is just really standard. It's not bad. It's just, you know, it's just standard and it wasn't enough to like kind of light me on fire. So, okay. So yeah. it seems like an okay game. Yeah, it was okay. If you if you have not played many roguelikes, unlike me, if you're, if you're new to the genre, I think this is a pretty good one to get into. If you don't know the ins and outs, if you don't want to spend a million hours on like min-maxing gear or trying to find OP builds or anything, if you want to just jump in and play like a roguelike, a good one. I think this is a good one. Right. Um, it's not one for me who is like played everyone and I only play like the best of the best of the best. Um, but this is a good one. It's it's not bad at all. So hey, And it looks like there's fishing in it for some reason. <laughs> it does. There's fishing in it. In oh, no, I, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. Yeah. So. All right. So that was Ravita. Um, yeah. If you're a beginner or you're new to the genre, check it out. Otherwise, it feels kind of standard. Um, a game that I was extremely, extremely excited for. Hyped based on the trailer and once i started playing 
Boy, I have had. I'm I'm trying to remember a come down quicker than this one where oh. it went from ten out of ten on the hype meter to oh my god, I deleted that and I walked away like so fast. It is uh, Benedict Fox. Benedict Fox. What is it? The, oh, what is the actual title I could have told you that. I could have told yeah. you. Yeah. What is the title of it? It's the the hold on the last the, case of Benedict Fox. The last case of Benedict. Can Fox. I say what I know about it before you go into the? Please review? do. Yes. Go ahead. So because we had talked about it on the show because we talk about every game. We do. And I think I brought it to the show, and it was in Very one of those possible. indie game showcases. Remember? Did you do it? Did you do a, a demo or just the trailer? No, just a trailer. Trailer in a, in a showcase that I watched. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, the demo wasn't out. Um. But what I liked about it was it seems like it's a platformer with like, uh, what's the thing that you love? Lovecraftian. Lovecraftian yeah. stuff, yes. And I was like, oh, cool. And it's on Xbox and I think it's exclusive. Uh, I'm not sure, but I it is think, on Game Pass though. Okay. I think it's exclusive actually because I don't think it's coming to PlayStation. So I was like, oh, and it's an exclusive. It's, you know, one of those reasons for us to, again, for me, turn on my Xbox. Sure. Um, but what I heard, and tell me if this is wrong, is everybody who was reviewing it, everybody being a large portion, not everybody, uh, was that they got confused, which is, by the way, a common theme for this episode. Yeah. And lost. And that's like worst thing and you could do in a Metroidvania-style platforming game. And that was like one of the biggest detractors for a lot of reviewers. So You're not wrong. Okay. You're not wrong. Um, yeah, so you look at the trailer. that freaks me out because it looks so beautiful. It does look beautiful. You look at the trailer, it looks like a 1920s Lovecraftian... Um, Metroidvania kind of platformer, but there's like tentacles and darkness. There's supposed to be story. You're also like a detective kind of like, it's like, like a lot of those boxes are being checked for me, like on the trailer. The trailer looks great. I was very excited. Mm -hmm. Um, but boy, this is a textbook example of absolutely how not to start your game. Um, it was catastrophic. Like you start the game. You don't even quite even know what's going on. They're just like, it's the 1920s and weird shit's going down and secrets are happening. And then boom, you're like in a house and then you're getting cutscenes talking about, Oh, you know about your father and stuff. And I'm like, actually, no, I don't. Will you please tell me? <laughs> nice. I, I have no idea. I have literally no idea what we're talking about. And it's like, go in this thing. And then you're going in this house. And all of a sudden the first thing you find is like a lock with like 17 arcane sigils on it. And I'm like, what's this? What am I? Is this now? Is this later? What's going on? Do I find keys? How does this work? I don't know how this works. And then you find another one and another one. And if you put it on the easy mode, they give you an option to say, would you like to skip it? And it's like, I, whoa, I, maybe I want to skip it. But like, it's not a good look to like the very first puzzle being like, uh, you know, it's so difficult that we're not even going to give you a chance to play. I mean, to be fair, I chose the setting that, that was the easy setting because I didn't know what the combat was going to be like. And they ask you like all these different settings. Do you want easy puzzles? Do you want easy combat? Do you want easy jumping or something like there's a, there's a bunch of options right mm -hmm. but just starting off that way hey here's a puzzle do you want to skip it immediately well no i mean give me a shot man like i mean maybe i want to skip it but i want to try at least yeah and so it kind of would turn me off because you're you're hit with puzzles that you don't understand and don't make sense right away and you're not sure do i need to do it now or am i coming back i don't know i can't tell platforming felt like just okay like not great there's a double jump, but you also are possessed with like a dark spirit and they don't explain it. You actually have like Cthulhu living inside of you and they don't even say that like until a couple minutes into the game when you get this cutscene. I'm like, who's talking? Who, what? Who's, who, who am oh, I? No, it's Redfall all over again. Who's talking? Yeah. I'm like, who's talking, man? Like, what's going on? Oh, it's Cthulhu. Where is he? Oh, he's inside me. Oh, shit. Why didn't they say that? Why didn't your opening cutscene lead off with that? That's a pretty big like note in the story. Yeah. And then my dad died, but who was my dad? I don't know. Any, we're in his house. You immediately go into like the the dream realm and I'm like, oh shit, what's going on, dude? And just like there's so much stuff where they're just like 
stuff and stuff and things and stuff and stuff. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what any of this is. I have no context. I have nowhere to ground my gamer brain on this. You just like launch into it. And all of a sudden you're like finding this ink and stuff. And you're supposed to like, I was like, what the fuck is going on, man? Like there may be a good game buried in here somewhere, but they did literally everything wrong in, in starting the game in getting me into the game and the complete failure to introduce the ideas, the complete failure to introduce like what you can even do in this game, the complete failure to introduce the rhythm of the game. Mm. Like, dude, start me off in a small level, show me the basic building blocks of the game. Tell me what I'm supposed to be doing and then build on it from there. You don't drop somebody in the middle of a fucking Metroidvania with like, you don't even know what the powers are. You don't even know how the game works. Like, it's just like, what were you guys even thinking, man? It was just like, clusterfuck all the way it's crazy to hear all that and that's like not even the main point that i brought up which is like not being able to know where to go because that's, oh, i mean that too yeah i know but too, that's on but, top yeah. of all what you just yes. said yes that's like a yeah that's a lot oh dude i was out so i mean i was literally like staring at my screen going what happened like how did any developer look at this and be like yes this is how we want to start the game yes this is the way we want to introduce players and, you know, I hear the usual bullshit of like, oh, just stick with it. It gets better. Like, no, I won't. I won't stick with it. you got to nail this from the beginning. I- I'm not going to stick around for six hours scratching my head trying to figure out what's going on. you got to get me into the game. It's it's the least a developer can do. And they just like, they fucked it so hard on this game. It's so disappointing, dude. Okay, so we're not going to probably talk about the game much more. So I'm going to use this opportunity to talk about a tangent real quick. Go ahead. Because when you were saying like in the game, you're like, oh, and now I'm at my dad's house. And no, I have Lovecraftian. Uh, spirit inside me and oh you know it just keeps building (laughs) yes yes i was reminded of we did this thing me and my friends when we watched um because um we're old people there's the old podcast here's Audie. he's back um back in the day we watched vhs tapes kids Uh, i've heard of of those yeah i'm sure the young people have heard about on tiktok there's all these channels that just show like old vhs tapes uh playing on tvs that's actually a thing um so anyways i was watching one of these vhs tapes with my my buddies uh, my pals, and what we would do is it would be like we would love bad horror and bad sci-fi, like sure. on purposely, right? I, sure, sure. It's a whole tangent we won't go into, but it's interesting how I don't know if that's such a thing anymore. But like it was a fun Saturday night to find the worst movie at the video rental store. Oh yeah, dude! Like MST3K with your buddies at home. Wait, right? exactly. But that, it was yeah. before MSTK, and it was before. I mean, it just wasn't, I don't think it's a thing now. I don't know. I think people look for really good HBO series. But um, anyways, we try to find the worst thing. And in that movie, we'd be pl- watching it. And we're like trying to figure out when it's going to come together. But just weird, d- ridiculous plot after next ridiculous plot. Yeah. And so we'd keep going like, um, I don't know if we coined the phrase or if Homer had already said it. But we'd, we'd keep going like, wait for it. Like, it's all going to come around, wait for it. All of a sudden, vampire gets introduced, wait yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. And it never, like, resolved. It was just, like, a pile of shit, you know? Anyways, that's what I thought of when you said that. That's exactly what this feels like, dude, because I was kind of mystery science theater-ing myself as I was going through this. Like, oh, wait, my dad was somebody, but I don't know who he is. And, oh, I'm in a secret society. Oh, wait, there you go. Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, there's Cthulhu inside me. Oh, Cthulhu double jumps. That's cool. And now I'm in the dream world. And now there's this key. And I got this scroll and where the scroll goes. And there's like, it's like, dude, fuck. Just stop. Okay. Yes. Just wait for it. And then credits roll and you're still sitting there going, what the hell just happened? Yeah. No. And then in the credits, it says, wait for it. Exactly. Anyway, Benedict Fox, what a huge, 
huge disappointment. It just, I, it, it sucks too because there's a human side to this, right? There's a person or team out there who poured their heart and soul into this, I'm sure, who had great hopes and dreams for this, who had a lot of good ideas. And here's me just like ripping it up and just shitting all over it. Not, not unwarranted, but it's like how, oh man, I, you know, like, oh, I, I feel like you guys wanted more for this, right? Well, we've been saying this the happened. whole time. We're going to have to always, we can't, <clears throat> can't always say that. We just, we I know. know we can't. I just, I just feel bad. But because the disclaimer is, has been put down that we care about developers. We, we they do. should know we by now. We do. But we this do. game could be hot garbage and that's fine. It was super hot garbage. Man. Okay. okay. One more and then I'm back over to you for one of our larger games, which I'm excited to talk about. But before we do, I want to talk about Arcana of Paradise, The Tower. And the reason uh, why you have 8 million games today is because we had a super short la- last we week. We did. Yeah. Yes, we did. We we cut like half the script last week to, in order to make the embargo for Redfall. And we were kind of, we, you know, life happened and such. Yeah. So. Um, Arcana of Paradise, The Tower. This is a turn-based deck builder, as as you see that I, I, I cling to this genre here. This is a good one, though. This is a really interesting one. Uh, this premise of this game is you are at the top of a tower with a bunch of kids. They are like orphans. Uh, and they're like, I don't know, 10 years old or something like that. Um, and they don't know why they're there. They don't know how they got there. But they're just at the top of this tower in the clouds. And every once in a while, like a magical whale will swim by. But like they're just like, what's going on? We don't know. Why are we here? We don't know. And so they need to go into the tower to figure out what's going on. The only thing that they do know, or at least they think they know, is that Paradise is supposed to wait for them on the ground floor. So they want to try to get to the ground floor from the top. They don't know how how many floors up they are. They don't know what's in the tower. They just know they need to get down there. Uh, You, the player, can choose two kids at a time. Your team is never bigger than two. And then there are like warriors, there's magic users, there's all sorts of interesting other classes. There's like one kid that does like it's almost like a kind of sign language, which is pretty cool, actually. Uh, he ended up being like really strong, like unexpectedly strong. Um, and they all have like their own individual quirks. Like one kid is sick, one kid is really smart, one kid is scared, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you you pick a, a team of two, go down in the tower, and uh, it's kind of like uh, you can you have one route, and then every once in a while you have a branch, and you'll be like, uh, on this branch is like treasure boss, and then another boss, or in this other branch it's like a fight, a fight, and then a treasure. You choose which one you want to do based on, you know, how you're doing at that time. Uh, the, rogue, the the card-based system is actually pretty good. I like it. It's a good combination of cards and real time where you have very simple, straightforward cards. They're not too complicated, which is good because they add it into the system where you have to kind of use timing as well. So, for example, if an enemy is about to hit you, like you'll find a skeleton or something and you're like, oh, he's winding up. He's going to hit you with a sword and a little counter, a little, uh, little pie chart fills up as he's going. If you can use your shield... Be- right before he hits you and it's pretty obvious when that is it's not it's not like a parrying thing it's just like you got to just pay attention to the timing mm. um he'll he'll get stunned and he won't be able to move for like three or four turns and so you're like uh stun him and then you're like whack 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 get him with your sword and you get all your damage in and then you get ready for defense and so it kind of sets up this good rhythm that isn't really in a lot of deck builders which i think is pretty cool um the magic users play very differently from the warriors and they don't explain that super well i, I wouldn't actually mind a few more tutorials um, but I figured it out eventually where magic users don't have any shields. Instead, you have to like r- r- like riff through your deck fast enough to get through the same copy of the spell that you're doing. So, for example, if you do a fire spell, you do one fire spell, it takes like 30 seconds to cast, and you're like you're getting hit the entire time. But the trade-off to that is if you riff through the deck and you get fire spell again, and then riff through the deck again, fire spell again to do like two or three times, it's like this giant fucking fireball. Wait, can so you, you can- unlimited like go through the deck? 
Yep, you can go through as much as you want, no limit. Just like oh, use it, that's use, helpful. Flip through it really fast. So it's an interesting blend of like flipping through the cards as quickly as you can while you're looking for a specific card. While there is some real time limits going on, there's also kind of like defense depending on the character you're using. There's also more offense depending on the character you're using. Um, and also you have to kind of like balance out your team, like having like a magic user, like two magic users sucks because you guys just like eat shit all the time because you don't have any defense. But if you have a warrior with magic user, then the magic user can heal and the other guy can use the shield. So you find good like rhythm for like whatever team you do, you use, which is really interesting. I think the system works really well. I think it's a um, good, good hybrid system, which uh, I think is probably one of the better ones I've played. I don't usually like real time elements in my deck builders, but this one I feel like works really well. And I will say also, I'm extremely curious to see how the story plays out. Um, it is kind of like a roguelike in the sense that the kids at the top of the tower have to eat food. And sometimes when you're doing a run down the tower, you really want to just get food. Like you're like, I'm not really trying to get too far. I just want to get food, collect it, bring it back, feed the kids. Every day in the game, everybody's got to eat. And if you run out of food, they die. So you got to like have this balance between I want to explore and get further but if you explore, you don't really have a chance to get food. But then if you spend too much time getting food, you're not really exploring. It's kind of like another good like risk reward sort of a thing. So I think this game is juggling multiple plates, like spinning many plates at the same time. And I think it all works. Like I think it's, it's really cool. I like the systems. I like the combat. I like the art style. I like the premise. Um, I'm kind of into this one. I, I kind of dig this one. Um, I have not finished it. And in fact, I haven't really even made it that far. I'm still kind of experimenting with team build. And I'm kind of experimenting with different systems. But so far, I think this one has some really cool ideas. And I really like what they've done with it. I think it's definitely worth a look for anybody who likes um, deck builders or turn-based uh, deck building RPGs. This is uh, definitely one to watch for. This looks really cool. It kind of has the same kind of vibe for me as the weird RPG game. Because it's a small studio. I think this is their first game. It's on Steam and only Switch. I think it's only on both those. Okay. So it's okay. on Steam right now. There's a demo, by the way, on Steam, which okay. I will download as soon as this uh, podcast is over. Because you had me at the, you can go through your cards at any time. Yeah. Because, you know, these kind of games, especially roguelikes, it's all about, like, how many points you have, mana, I don't know, stuff like limited cards. Uh, you could have to wait to shuffle them or something. But the yeah, fact that no. you can just kind of fucking cycle through, and it treats it more like an action RPG in that way. Yeah, it is. It really is, dude. Yeah. Um, it's super cool. The company is actually a Japanese word, but I've translated it to it's Tasto Alpha. Um, okay. And they have a website and they have, I think they're two people. <laughs> so that makes it even smaller team. So yes, this looks very cool. And there's the demo yeah. right now. I'm I'm actually really digging it. It feels a bit rough. And like I said, I could use a few more tutorials. It took me a while to figure out the magic. There's a few questions I have remaining. Um, but I think overall, like their concept, absolutely solid. I love what they're doing. I love the style. I love the mood. Um, I'm I'm really into this one. I think it's really, really cool. So I definitely recommend it to all of my roguelike or deck builder or, you know, action, action RPG, RPG hybrid people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah for uh, sure. And also I misspoke. It's 25 people. I'm looking at the website now. So 25, but that's still a small team. Yeah. And they're from Tokyo. <clears throat> so check them out. Definitely check it out. I like this one. Arcana of Paradise, the tower, for sure. Okay, back over to you, Carlos. We're going to be going on a... We're going to a galaxy far, far away, I think, right now. Let's. Uh, Star Wars Jedi, a double dose. You started out with Fallen Order, but then we're going to eventually get to Survivor, which is uh, the hot shit this week. Everybody's talking about that game. But before we do, let's talk about Fallen Order, which is the first of the Star Wars Jedi series starring... Cal Kestis and his robot buddy BD1. 
Um, I played it. I've got some thoughts, but let's hear about you. You played it before and you came back to it. Is that right? Yeah. So both of us played it and talked about it on the show. Uh, I think we both had the same thinking, which is uh, we didn't like the Dark Souls uh, combat, essentially. Not the combat specifically, but the respawning of enemies. Just some of those Dark Souls-isms uh, that I don't feel like me personally f- fit in a Star Wars Did game. make a good fit. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Agree. And then we also fr- were frustrated by some of the puzzles. Um, now, I remember we both of us didn't finish it originally. No. So those that ball puzzle that we both didn't like was still early game, right? I mean, like first third of the game or something. Sure. Um, and there was some sliding that was a lot too much sliding. Too that many was, snakes and ladders. Yes. yes. But that was also because I just went back to it a lot of the first third of the game. There's okay. a lot more to that game. So okay. what I did is I just bumped it down to easy. Now, mm-hmm. easy still has Dark Souls respawning, but basically you're not dying as much and you're keeping more of your health, uh, your, what's your, your little stim packs, whatever they're called, Sure. so that if you have more of those, you're going to get farther. So even if you respawn the enemies, it's not going to be that big of a deal, right? So that's how they balance it. They keep the Dark Souls thing, and if some stupid little... Stormtrooper beats you. You have to go find that stormtrooper and kill it, which is still bullshit. Um, but you don't care as much because on story mode, it's just much easier. So okay. I played it in story mode the whole way and just beat it. And I mean, I did that quick. I mainlined it. So, so question, yes. question. Yeah. Um, for me, when I played Fallen Order, my biggest issue actually wasn't the difficulty of the combat. Um, I think for me, it was the miserable level design. I found myself often getting lost and just like going in circles a lot and like not quite knowing where to go. And I felt like their attempt to do the dark souls shortcut thing, I felt like didn't really work. Like they hadn't really mastered that so that you weren't naturally going to the places they wanted you to go. I had, that was my big thing. I just got sick of getting lost. I yes. think I could have pushed through. Did you notice that you were getting lost? And yeah, stuff? I did it all over again. It's almost like you, you know, the faults of a game you want to see the ending, going back to the looping to the mm-hmm. ending. Mm-hmm. And because this next game, which I'll talk about, Survivor, is a direct, like literally a few years later sequel yes. uh, to Fallen Order. So, um, yeah, I suffered through what you're talking about, which is it's like the levels are maybe designed cool and interesting one way, but then they make you, in Fallen Order, traverse them backwards. Yes, and, that's where it really falls apart. And it man. falls apart, totally. And it still did. <clears throat> I'll say that the saving parts are, one... The story, obviously, and all the music and cinematics and the way they do BD1 and the way they do the star swipe thing. Like, it's Star Wars. It's like the most Star Wars ever. Like, it feels like Mandalorian when it mm. comes to its storytelling and the way it presents itself and music. Uh, and by the way, I'm watching the last season of Mandalorian right now, so it's like a perfect combination. Yeah. And yeah. so I would say that I just suffered <clears throat> through those shitty backtracking parts because I yeah. knew that... Um, you know, I was going to get to another stage. You were focused. Like, you were on a mission. You were here to finish the game. And near the the end, there's all these other different things that happen without spoilers that, you know, changes some of that, not just with shortcuts, but you're not, like, re-traversing every single damn place all the time. Right, right, Um, right. And then I'll say this, just because it's a, a tangent. In the new game, which we'll get to, there is still some of that, but they uh, they added fast travel to certain parts. Okay. So okay. we'll talk about that in a minute, but they did improve on it. So anyways, I love Fallen Order. I liked the ending. I thought it was a good ending. I thought it did wrap up a bunch of stuff. It did feel like all that many hours of, I don't know, was it 20 hours probably? Okay. Of okay. work, you know, was worth it. So I, that's how I liked playing it. I played it in story mode, whatever. So let's jump over to Survivor. Um, yes. 
I think that essentially the short TDLR or whatever it is, is it TLDR? TLDR. Yeah. Is that it's it's everything that Fallen Order was, but better. That's the shortest thing I can say. Okay. Okay. Um, including even better emotional beats. Like, I mean, you really get into these characters. Every okay. every side six side, side character talk about like the opposite of Redfall when it comes to you can't even interact with NPCs. Like every character you meet, even random people in a bar, they have voice acting, they have a motive. Some give you side missions, some don't. Um, that's not a new thing, but they just feel all real. Like it's it's crazy. They, they really mm-hmm. spent a mm-hmm. lot of time on making this world feel like full of real characters who really inhabit these spaces. Um, they added the fast travel. It's it's not everywhere. It's just like at the meditation points where you level up and stuff. Yeah. But those meditation points, yes, the bonfires are now fast travel, okay. which is how they should have had it in the first game. Um, and that saves, you know, ugots of time. I still have found myself getting stuck sometimes. And I was oh, talking with um, John, uh, John from Gaming in the Wild, and I are yes. both playing it at the same point in the same in the game. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And as we're tweeting each other, we're getting stuck in the same spots. So we know it's level design, right? And one of the biggest problem with this game, but me telling people listening now, you'll know, is that they still put some of those go through the crack in the wall bullshit. Sure. And I know that a lot of it's so they can load the next level. I think they're, you know, cheating in that way. Um, but like you'll be stuck and it'll be a crack in the wall that you didn't see, you know, or something. Oh, you just like walk by it or something. Yeah. You can't even see it. Or it's a puzzle that is like a little frustrating. You got to go somewhere else to find the answer kind of thing. Hmm. They're not as much. It's few and far between, but it's happening. But I'll say this. Here's the positive glowing review. Um, not only is it better than Fallen Order, not only is easy mode truly easy. Like you can look at the meters, and what they did is parrying like um, time. You know, was it the window for pairing? The window yeah. for pairing time on easy mode in Survivor is full. Like the meters just full, right? <laughs> it's so like you can parry anytime. Just parry anytime. Like or I still get hit with you know you you don't not get hit, but. It's just much more forgiving. And then, like, the damage you take and the damage, you know, whatever, from enemies you take is less. Um, and then the next one's Padawan or something. And, like, you know, there's a couple different levels. Um, I've kind of switched back and forth between normal and super easy. It's okay. just depending on times. But this is the biggest takeaway I want to say. You and I both are very frustrated parrying in general. Yes. I don't even want it in any game ever again. But I'm over parrying. Yes. So for someone like me to be over parrying, and if you look at my Twitter, uh, some of the videos I posted, I've parried so well in this game that it made me like parrying, which is the highest praise I can give any game. Because not only is it Star Wars fantasy of having an amazing duel and some of these fights with, again, like Dark Souls, some regular, you know, baddies, um, not Stormtroopers because that's no fun, but like you'll, you'll find like raiders or like mini bosses or something. And when I'm pairing them and then doing my special move back, and because I have a bigger window to do it, it feels fucking great. Yeah. And yeah. I did like a special like because I'm do I'm um there's many stances and I mean many in this game so you could just do two handed, and you can spec yourself kind of like a two handed warrior, and you could do uh, one blade or you know long blade or whatever. I've actually chose two, so um, two hand. Uh, a blade in each hand, a lightsaber in each hand. Dual wielding? Dual wielding. 
Thank you. And it just feels fucking great because I block like that. I attack with my special moves like that. And I parry like that. And so you mix all that together with the force powers and with all the things you can upgrade. It really makes you feel like you can build your Cal, like how you want to play. I mean, to a point. And yes, the pairing window, because even on the Padawan level, it's just easier. So I want to do it. Like I've never wanted to parry in a game, but it feels really good in this game. Well, see, this is exactly what we've been talking about because I don't think that parrying in and of itself is the thing that we hate. I think that what we hate is parrying with parry windows that are extremely small and very punitive, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if if you could adjust the parry window in a game where you must parry, it it's a game changer. Like when you play something like what you're describing here in Survivor or when I played Blasphemous or there's a couple of the games where I feel like the parry window is like really predictable. Like you can reliably do it every single time because they give you enough time and you don't have to have lightning reflexes like fighting the last boss in Sekiro or anything. Like, I think it's fine. Like, I think it's fine. I don't think that's really a problem. I think the problem is we, the developers, think that you should be able to parry within point zero 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 three seconds accuracy of this move. And if you don't, well, then get good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of parry things that piss me off. So I'm fine with parrying as long as you let me do it at my own pace with my old man reflexes and don't punish me severely when I can't nail it. You know what I'm saying? I'll agree and also disagree in one way, even though I made the point, but... So yes to that and the fact that this game does it better than, I know, almost any game right now because I enjoy the battles. Um, I'll say that, you know, and by the way, I still get hit, right? So it's not like I, because the parry window is like full, like I just can't can't get hit. You 100%, I've died, you know, I I definitely die. Right, So it just makes it more like, yeah, palatable. But the problem is, and the disagree part is that even though I like this version of it, I think that they could have done more monsters because there's monsters you fight in this game too and soldiers that you don't have to parry you know like sure there's stormtroopers you can shoot their laser back at them and dodge it you know and take them out in one hit so there's some some of that but i just i still feel like because the developers like dark souls so much there's too many uh enemies still that i have to parry that Um, you have to parry that you have to yeah like it's like I could try real hard to be offensive and dodge a lot because the dodge is really good. Um, but even some ones, I have to get that para window because I need to get them off their guard, you right, know? Right. And so while I love this, I'm still putting the asterisk saying, like, if they make a trilogy, which I hope they do, uh, I would love to just have, like, more enemies not needed at all. You just be a regular monster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I agree with that. I agree. I, I, I'm I'm fine. In any game where you don't even have to parry. Like, if it's a bonus, like, yeah, you want to be badass and parry? Cool. That's that's cool guy points, and you feel good about that. But you can still, you should still be able to get through by just, like, dodging and rolling or just being really offensive right. or something. Yeah, I think there's so, just, yeah. there's some leftover bones of the Dark Souls that the developers don't want to give away because... They got to give it up. You they do give have to up. give it up for the trilogy, for the third one. They would sell a gazillion more copies, too, because another thing I just remembered, I got stuck in this spot, and my, you know, my XP is tied to the death point you know and i can't beat it you know that kind of thing because there's this huge uh, toad or monster you know frog thing and it does these um if you don't dodge just one thing perfectly it swallows you and then you instant die even though i have five like stim packs or something right 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 so that's again a soulsy thing and that's bullshit because it doesn't belong anywhere in the star wars world 
where I've like worked really hard at creating my character and, you know, I have a story to be told and I don't care about this frog, you know? And I think the developers are like, no, no, this would be like this, like a souls mini boss, you know, and they got to get it just right. And if they get stuck yeah. in his tongue, so that they part is bullshit. They got to let go of that shit. They got to let go yes. of that shit. Yeah. So the other pros, one of my favorite stories, I mean, why did I mainline the first one? The story is so fucking good. Right. Okay. Okay. This this story in Survivor, I just want to beat this game. Like I can't. I need the ending. I need it so bad. I enjoy every <laughs> world we go to. Well, and I should I should paraphrase. And I'm going long, but I I want to even know the story endings to to side stories. You know, what I mean, that's a good narrative. That's a sign game. of a good game. That's a yeah. sign of a good game when you want everybody's story. Sure. I want all these little stories to be told, and and there's a love interest, you know, without a spoiler, and and that's interesting to see where that goes. And like someone mentioned on Twitter, which I think is going around now, but there is a sequence in here, you know, what do they call them? Set pieces. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, it's a little too much like Uncharted at times, a lot of climbing. But there's a moment where you're doing like climb to jump to this to that. And it's like a, out of a, you know, triple A blockbuster movie. And you're, but you're doing it. And it's one of my favorite sequences I've ever been involved in in a game. It's like, what the fuck is this? Oh my goodness, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Can I pull it off? And they do a really good thing is like in that big sequence, if you die, you don't start all the way back. They just kind of start you right where you kind of died, you know? Yeah. So you can go through this fun sequence they're trying to show you. Um, They do so much right in this game. Uh, It's a fucking, in my opinion, nine out of 10. I think I would probably score it at Metacritic. Okay. There's one con that I'll leave with that kind of sucks is that, you know, all the internet's ablaze with that the PC port is really bad. Sure. Um, I think we talked about this already, but in general, you know, I think we're in the uncanny valley still, performance and quality mode. Both of us hate it. Um, it's kind of a necessary thing at this point. I think hardware will catch up. It's just not there yet. But what happens with these developers is sometimes they can pull it off, they shoot for the stars, and sometimes they can't. Horizon Forbidden West pretty much does. Every once in a while, hiccups, but it looks fucking stunning, and it doesn't like hiccup too much. Star Wars looks, it's one of the prettiest things I've ever seen, okay? I don't know if I've said that, on this on, a, on my PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, be- it's better looking than Horizon Forbidden West. Wow, okay. Easily, like easily. Easily, okay, that's a statement. Yeah, sure. yeah, because okay. like when you're on not performance mode and regular, qu- you know, the, the quality or whatever, and you're walking and just exploring, it's just, it's stunning. It's fucking stunning. So then the problem is because of the PC port, it's it's the code. They they didn't get the code good enough for optimization. And so on the PC, it's just like eating shit. And on the PS5, which I generally don't say this much, um, if I have it on quality mode, which is like the better high high quality graphics, it could be unplayable sometimes. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, I didn't think it would chug down that bad. It started chugging like at, let's say, going because you start at 30, right? 30 frames per second. Yeah. It would jump down to 20s and stuff. Totally still playable, but I'm like annoyed. Yeah. And then it started like in these really amazing environments with like a million monsters and spaceships flying by. It dropped down to four and five. Ooh, dude. And I was like, Whoa. what's happening? I, it's Yikes. Just, it's like a Frozen game, you know? Um, now... That's happened five times or something. Five okay. times is too many. Um, but 
if I'm doing a lot of combat, I just switch it to performance. And that's yeah. a bummer, you know? But I think it goes down to optimization. That's why people are saying it's eating shit on PC. I think they rushed the, not to, you know, rushing thing, it comes up again, but they were shooting for the stars and they didn't quite hit it on optimization. They didn't. Yeah. But they yeah. pushed it out anyhow and they said, hey, you know what? We'll just push it to 60 frames and like lose a lot of the graphics, you know, because it doesn't look as stunning at all. Right, 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 right. Here's well, my for me, long winded I mean, answer. I mean that that's that's quite an answer and that's quite a statement for me. You know, I I always put things. I hate I hate the choice. I wish we didn't have to worry about the choice, but we do for now anyway. So for me, I just go performance every single time because I I need the smoother gameplay. If I lose some bells and whistles, if I lose some ray tracing, I'm like whatever. I just need this game to play well, and it sounds like yikes. This one definitely needs some of the optimization. Holy smokes! Well, um, let me add to that real quick. Is that yeah. I wrote down um, I played Guardians of the Galaxy on 30 frames per second. One of the only action-y kind of games I did because mm-hmm. that game is also beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. if you've not played that, people. I played some of it, yeah. It's pretty oh, good. Anyways, so, and that would dip sometimes maybe like, you know, 20s, I think. But for the most part, it stayed pretty solid at 30, and I just dealt with 30. But the point is, I was playing this game because a lot of it is exploration, and yeah. climbing isn't like, you know, taxing on the performance. But the minute you get into like a lot of combat, then you might, you know. So I, I, I just really want to see all of what they built. That's my problem. Yeah. yeah In 30 yeah. frames, yeah. Well, it sounds like a winner. How close do you think you are to the end of Survivor? I'm halfway through right now. I'm halfway 100% through, okay. halfway through. And I kind of, I, I do want it to end because I wanted the story, but it's it's my go-to game in the evenings now. It's just, it's so beautiful and relaxing and yeah, even with those chuggy graphics at times, it doesn't matter. Like, they built something very special. Well, you're not alone there. Pretty much everybody in my feed is playing this right now, and I, I think universal praise is pretty close to where it's at. I mean, I've heard the PC complaints, but if you take that out of it, if you just talk about the story, the character, the basic, you know, the gameplay, the the lightsaber stances and stuff, I mean, if you're looking at just that, everybody that I've spoken to or have seen on Twitter, uh, kind of universal praise. So that's that's great. It's going to be hyped for it. I haven't uh, played played it, and I'm, I'm getting so hyped, I think, that I kind of do what everybody else is doing and going back to Fallen Order. I talked to a lot of people who did not finish Fallen Order. I thought that uh, I would be in the minority on that one. But no, I think I think a lot of people got in and got frustrated, whether it was the Dark Souls elements or whether it was the poor uh, level design. And boy, some of that level design is so bad. Um, but I'm I'm kind of toying with the idea of going back to Fallen Order. I bought it a while ago when it was new. Mm-hmm. So I could go back and just start fresh because I don't remember anything about where I'm at or what I'm doing. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I've, I've heard some people say that it's worth going back. Would you say that if I was planning at some point this year to play Survivor, which I probably will have to because I'm sure it's going to be an end-of-the-year discussion, so I'll have to play it as a critic. Do you think it's worth going back to Fallen Order, or or would I be okay just starting off with Survivor? A thousand percent, you have to play Fallen Order. A would have to go percent. back. There's not even okay, a, really. Yeah, there's no there's no world where you start Survivor. You should really. Okay, okay, damn. It. I know it's okay. a lot of time, but you know, look at the walkthroughs. Look at any sort of you know cheat thing, not cheat, but you know, like all the shortcuts. Sure. sure just sure. mainline that sucker because so much of the character development that happens in that game 
unless you just like watch the walkthrough on YouTube, but that's also watching a eight hour video or something, you know? Yeah, right, right. Um, because you need to know where these characters are at. It's, it's like an RPG. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on top of that, it's also the systems. Here's one of the coolest things I didn't even mention. And this is a spoiler, but whatever. It's not that big of a spoiler. Everything that you upgrade yourself in Fallen Order, like now you can do this. Now you can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now you can yeah. climb a wall. All of it's at the beginning of Survivor. Like you have it all. Gotcha. So you don't start fresh. You don't start again. fresh. But the point is you earn it in that first game. And, gotcha. I, and I was like, I'm not going to go to Survivor and not earn those things. You know, it's like now I'm climbing. I'm doing all these things. And I, I earned that. I fucking, you know, beat that one level and fall in order to get it. It's a real special thing, man. It feels like Mass Effect uh, trilogy moment for me. Gotcha, gotcha. Where I know they're gonna they're gonna have to make a third game, and some people have said it's like their favorite Star Wars film, <laughs> because it feels that way. It feels like an epic thing, with funny characters, uh, you know, love flirting around, but not like in the foreground, and really interesting and, and kind of emotional moments. Um, it's a fucking great game. Yeah, you're not an outlier here. I've heard many people um, say that between this and The Mandalorian, that's a lot of people's like, I can't decide which is my favorite Star Wars thing now, right? And so yeah. that's pretty high praise. I mean, oh. I think The Mandalorian is pretty great. And if this is neck and neck with that, that's pretty high praise as well. What It uh, takes a uh, place around the same time as Mandalorian. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah, like okay. not too far. I remember that. It's like, I forgot the Star Wars thing, 9BY or something, like before. It's before the Death Star, you know? No idea. I don't know anything about that. But I, you know, ugh, I was, ugh, I was hoping to not have to go back to Fallen Order, but I feel like you kind of you have you, to. You're forcing me, man. I can't. I can't say no at this point. So mainline it. Find a find a walkthrough that makes you yeah. skip things or something. I don't know, but yeah, whatever gets me through, so I'm not lost. That was really my big sticking point. So okay. All right, that sounds like a win. Um, let's circle back when you get done. I'd love to hear whether you feel like it. I mean, it seems like it's got to be golden all the way through, but you know, let's talk back after you've finished it and get some final thoughts on it or something like that. Will do. All right, final game of the show is one that I've been very excited for for a long time. Shadows over loathing. Um, Wait, I, I talked. What? Sorry, I st- I've, I've interrupted you like four times this episode because it's the evening and I don't know how to talk tonight. Um, have we not spoke about this game five times? No, we said no. We talked about uh, the demo when it came to. I want to say it was either on PC. Or oh, I don't think so. I think we we've talked about this game in a review setting. No, no, no. I definitely haven't. Definitely have not. No, because it just came to Switch like last week. Okay, I'm ago. in. I'm in. Okay, you hear what's happening right now? Okay, this was happening. Either I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> or I'm I'm actively in the Mandela effect right now. Okay, I'm actively in. No, here's 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 what your confusion is. The we talked about it from videos and stuff, and you know that we talked about um, West of Loathing a million years ago. But what's confusing you is they put out the demo, and we talked really in depth about the demo because it was like a really chunky demo. Like mm-hmm. you and I both went through the whole demo, and like there's even like walkthroughs for the demo because it was so rich but that was it like i i didn't play anything past that and i was intentionally waiting for it to come to the switch because i knew i wasn't going to want to play it on pc okay so. hold on just so we know so everybody's yes. clear in the audience yes. at home is is clear my mandela effect which is true for me because if you've studied the mandela effect that <clears> means like you're on the other side of the universe that's split in two and i'm on the side of the universe where we both played the demo and talk about it extensively we and did. then you in my universe brought shadows of loathing 
back to the show because it just got released on Nintendo Switch and talked about it. No, I mean, in I my about world, it coming that happened. To Switch. We talked about it when we when I'm like, oh yeah, it stealth dropped, but I didn't play it then. I didn't. I didn't even start it until a couple days ago. Did, wh- when did it come out on Switch? Um, it came out when it did the Nintendo Direct, wherever the last Nintendo Direct was. It stealth dropped during oh the direct. My goodness. Okay, continue <clears throat> to do what you were planning and do it. But just so everybody knows, I'm in a Mandela effect zone now, and this has already happened. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling you Nelson because you're in okay, the Mandela please, effect, please dude. Do. All right. So regardless, let me. All that stuff aside, um, very excited. I'm a huge fan of West of Loathing. It was like one of the best games I've ever played. After I got over the graphics, we went into that a million times. I'm not gonna go into it again. But basically, once I got past the stick figure graphics, I'm like, wow, this game is brilliant. Um, that holds true here as well. Shadows Over Loathing is, uh, I mean, a sequel. There's there's a couple nods to the previous game, but you don't need to know anything about West of Loathing. You can approach it just whatever. Basically, it is a 2D kind of open world RPG, open-ish world RPG, where you play a stick figure uh, who is coming to town because your uncle has disappeared. Your uncle was hunting down cursed artifacts, and then he vanishes. And so you need to find out what happened to him. Which is really just like, <laughs> it's funny how far afield you get from that because that is the through line. But boy, I there's hours when I forget that anything about that and I'm just doing other stuff because this game is jam-packed with so many things to do. You would look at a game like this on a screenshot, you you think it's real, like, real simple, right? But that is the furthest thing from the truth because there are layers upon layers upon layers to this game. Um, and it just... Every time I every time I, I think I've got it figured out, I, I get proven really wrong. Um, and I'm just so impressed by that. Um, first thing I will say, the writing in this game, I mean, if we're talking about comedy writing, dude, and I don't know if you're going to disagree with me on this, I think this might be like the funniest game in entire all of video games, dude. Well, remember, comedy is subjective. It like is subjective. It is so subjective. I think this comedy is funny, and that's why I liked Kingdom of Loathing, which sure. I've talked about at you least have. twice on the podcast. You have. And I did like West of Loathing, but I didn't like this one as much because of like gameplay things, which we talked about. And I'll get to that in one second. Right. I will. But yeah, yeah. Um, I I like a high on life more, like that kind of weird, um, yep. Yep. dark humor that's kind of closer to, you know, Tim and Eric and weird stuff. Like that's more my style too. So sure, I don't know. Sure, sure. But anyways, it's good though. Subjective, good. subjective for sure. But for me and my particular sense of humor, I think this shit is the funniest shit I've ever played. Like West of Loathing. And Shadows Over Loathing, I'm constantly laughing out loud, dude. I'm constantly going to my wife, who is like, God bless her, that she doesn't like punch me in the face for every time I go, honey, honey, come here, look at this, look at this, read this. And I'm sure she's fucking sick of it, dude. She's probably like, shut the fuck up, play your game, leave me alone. Uh, but my wife is great. Uh, I call my kid over, I'm like, oh my God, look what he said, look what he said. And we like laugh. It's a, I can't think of any game that makes me laugh more than this. And that's really the true value of this game is like every single interaction you have, Every item you click on, every NPC you talk to, every quest you get, there's like jokes. There's jokes literally in every sentence. And like the joke to not joke ratio is like 100 to zero. Like there is always a joke. Yeah. There is never not a joke. Which, which is, is to your point why it's not really about one thing. It's a comedy game. Yeah, it is. It is a comedy game for sure. Like it is just incredible. Some of the jokes they come up with are so funny and so abstract. And I, I'm not even going to say any of them here because me trying to tell you what was funny about it is not going to make any sense. It's going to sound stupid. But trust me when I say, for me, my particular sense of humor, uh, God damn it, I, I, am, I am stunned at how successful these jokes are, how funny they are, 
the structure they take i mean i love comedy in general but this is like it's like a babe ruth home run over the park like how funny it is and of course i can totally get i'm sure some people maybe won't click with it that's totally fine you know like you said subjective humor not every joke is for every person not every every comedy style is for every person but man if you click with it like this it is brain meltingly brilliant dude i I love the writing in this game it is just like so fucking good but that gameplay Um, though the gameplay is good. I do love the gameplay. Well, no, but, the thing. Let me just bring up the thing that we we brought ahead, up last year before, yeah. which I'm, is yeah, go ahead, go ahead. that issue that you know there's that kind of uh, weird, in my opinion, like RPG like gating, and that yes. you had to be good, and like you would just have kind of instant dies, and I just felt like because I didn't pick the right thing, it was difficult in the beginning so is that still there and does it get no, easier over time not, no 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 uh, so here's what happens here's what happens the the demo that we played was the prologue of the full game and i would bet any amount of money that they went overboard on the prologue because they knew they were going to use it as a demo right so it goes harder and deeper than any normal prologue would go and there's even like 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 in-depth faqs for how to get through the prologue with all of the achievements and all of the abilities and stuff you can't. So as I played through it again, you can just get through it, but you know, you're missing a lot of stuff, right? You're missing some fights. You're missing some items. Like, you know, you're skipping some stuff. And I think they just went too hard on that prologue uh, because even somebody who has played the past game and even somebody who is on the same wavelength as these guys, some of the secrets are really tricky and there is definitely an order to things. And there's definitely some, some persnickety about how you go about certain things. So I needed the walkthrough to get all of the achievements through that. It was, I don't think I would have been able to do it, but once you get past that, once you get past the prologue, you get to the main game, difficulty drops down. And also there are difficulty sliders. Like you can put it on very easy if you want to. And the combat is like incredibly easy, dude. I don't think, I don't think I've ever lost a single battle. Right. So like you can change the difficulty, but then they just relax when you get to the main game. They're just like, Oh yeah, we don't need to try so hard. Now we pace everything out. I get shitloads more items. I have way more choice. I have a companion with me. It feels like it feels like they just they hit too hard in the demo. Okay. And once that, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's not, it does not feel like that at all in the main game. Well, that makes me want to potentially pick it up again. So yeah. yeah. And in fact, if you don't if you don't mind missing a few things and skipping a couple battles, then you could easily get through that demo and just get to the main game and just start playing and just forget about the demo, yeah. which is also the prologue. So, um, I think. The humor just permeates everything in this game. And I, I chose you, you have three classes. Um, and I chose being a cheese wizard as my class. And like it is so funny, dude. There are so many cheese jokes and cheese oriented things that you do. All your powers have to do with cheese. Um, and I just I can't stop giggling at how clever and funny all this stuff is. Like all the different um status over time effects, all of the direct damage, all the different things you can do, all the enhancements that all have to do with cheese is just like nice. pretty hilarious. And a lot of the writing, like the way that they circle back, um, the way they pay off some of these jokes is hilarious. There's recurring themes about um, hobos. This game is obsessed with hobos, dude. Like, it's really, really funny. Um, the way that you encounter hobos, how you interact with them, what you eventually, like, side quests you do for hobos and stuff. It's all really, really funny. They also have this recurring joke about you work part-time jobs at these different places. And it seems impossible because you're going to places you've never been before. You're getting locked doors to places that haven't been open in 100 years. Then you open the employee file. And your name is like in there because you did work there part time. And it's like nice. it doesn't make sense as I'm telling you about it now. But it's it, trust me, it's really, really funny. Like when this joke pops up and pays off and circles back, like it's really, really good. Um, 
most of the game is basically just going from location to location, enjoying the jokes, doing really light side quests, doing really simple combat, and just like really enjoying the jokes. So I will I will say that if you don't think this game is funny, there's not anything here for you because this game is all about the jokes, all about the writing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you, if you like, if you get through like two hours of this and you haven't laughed once, just bail because you're not going to laugh and you're going to get to the end of the game, you're going to be crabby because you spent so much time on it. Um, if you are laughing, then trust me when I say it stays funny all the way through. I'm almost done with it. And I just have not stopped laughing. I just, it's it's so good. Um, I will say also, this one has a lot of quality of life choices over West of Loathing. I've noticed they've simplified some things. Um, I'm not going to get too into weeds on it, but let me just say that it plays smoother. There's more hints. Um, it's easier to get through some of the menus. Um, some of the things I think are just really smoother and easy to do. And you're not quite as uh, floundering as you might have been in the first game. Mm. In fact, the only thing that I don't like about it is it autosaves all the time. And there are some situations where I chose a choice and I'm like, okay, this is probably a really funny joke. And it is, but then it also leads to like a choice. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't think you're going to do that thing. And so you can't go back. Like I would, I would immediately shut off the switch to kind of just like shut the game and, and jump out of it so I can go back and do a choice. And no, it's too late. Like mm. as soon as you do a choice, it's committed. So you got to really like, be ready to accept the consequences of your actions. And 98% of the time, it's nothing. It's like a joke. It's no big deal. But there are a couple times when I'm like, fuck, I wanted to do A and I did B. God damn yeah. it. You and know? it's weird for an RPG not to have that. Like if they want to call themselves an RPG, that seems weird. It's really weird. And I've, you know, but the, you can't save, uh, you can't restore a save. You can't quit. Like I, I have not been able yet to stop the game fast enough <laughs> in nice. order to stop it Exit. from doing the thing. Exit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't do it. So, I fucked up a couple things, which made me kind of salty. Um, a little bit upset about that because I really would have liked to just restore a save, go back five minutes, make a different choice, and that's. But that's really my only complaint, and it's a pretty minor complaint in the the big scheme of things. I mean, none of it has been game ruining. None of it has like ruined my story, you know, anything like that. But there are some mysteries. There are some puzzles which are actually way more complicated than you think they are, and you can take them at face value and move on. But if you want to dig deeper. You got to be careful because there are a few places where you can make a wrong choice and then uh, some stuff gets shut off, uh, which kind of uh, not a fan of that. But um, in light of everything else they get right, I'm, I'm, I have no problem letting it go. So, Well, you already said it. Uh, the thing that I was most worried about, which is like the weird, I think, difficulty spike that I felt in the demo and also just like dying. Um, yeah. I am watching the trailer again and it does show a fuck ton of combat, but you're telling me it's not a lot of combat? I mean, there's combat, but, like, you just get through it so fast. Like, it's totally no big deal. I know. I see, like, a screen that's freaking me out, which is, like, eight people are on screen. Oh, sure. And I just don't. It gives me a little bit of anxiety because I had such a bad time. Here's what you do. I guarantee you it's not as hard as it is in the demo. The demo was too hard. You get into the game, put it on easy, and then you right away you get your choice of companion. I have a companion, and she starts off with, like, a machine gun and and a, a blackjack. She kills somebody. I have a, a pet mosquito, a giant mosquito who's with me. Of course. And he, he'll kill one guy right off the bat. And then he do my cheese wizard powers. And I do like area of effect damage for like stinky blue cheese on the whole screen. And I like wipe out the, de- it's like, it's no big deal, dude. It's All totally right. easy. All it's right. super easy. I'm Just put on easy. I'll put on easy. I will go back to it. Um, and by the way, the other vibe it gives me is <clears throat> one of my favorite web series ever was Strong Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Homestar Runner. I'm sorry. Um, which I don't know if you ever watched back in the day. Home no, Star- I had friends who loved it. I've actually never seen it. That's crazy to me. If you like this humor, I think you would think it's funny. And by the way, Homestar Runner, which by the way is on YouTube now, right? Like every episode ever. 
Okay. It used to be a flash cartoon and I Yeah. Yeah. Uh, without going too much on the tangent, I worked at Amazon and everybody would huddle around the computer to watch the new episode that would drop every week. It was fucking a special moment. Um anyways, all those hold up because none of them are like swearing or dirty or mean or you know, it's like wholesome fucking comedy. Yet it's like hilarious and weird. Uh, but it's got that same kind of simple 2D style. And it, it feels like the same vibe when it comes to comedy. Like, so you should check it out for sure. I'll um, check it out. I had a friend, I have several friends who like swear by it, who loved it. But I just, I wasn't like online watching stuff at that time. I think it was kind of like of the moment, right? Where if you were online, if you were in certain circles, it was the thing. But like, I just managed to not be in that circle and it kind of right the whole thing just like flew right by me you know oh now yes that's true and it was a moment but now i'm remembering why this reminds me of it specifically is the graphics are different but uh strong bad who's one of the characters would draw these little stick figures and it was called teen girl squad and he was making fun of like you know uh just youth the youth of today and like making fun of the the fact that they judge each other and all this kind of stuff it's a lot of heavy duty stuff actually um, but they were stick figures that looked exactly like uh, Kingdom of Loathing. Mm, so that's interesting. Okay. Anyways, I also want to bring up um, the thing I said, the Mandela effect. For, for your consideration. In no- <laughs> Tell me, Rod Serling. <laughs> in November 11th, 2022, uh-huh. Shadows of Loathing, Shadows Over Loathing was launched, not a demo, was released in full on Steam. On PC, yeah. Uh-huh. On PC, Okay. I remember distinctly hearing Brad Galloway say, well, you know me, Carlos, I don't like my PC or playing Steam games, but for this game, I made an exception. I remember you saying those words. I, I mean, I must have played the first hour or something because I didn't even get that far. I, okay, uh, but not demo, but full potential I game. mean, if you say so, I believe you. Now, believe let you. me, uh, admission, uh, exhibit two to the court. <laughs> <laughs> On GameCritics.com. yes. Now remember, the game came out in November twenty, November eleventh, on GameCritics.com on your own website. Yes, now court courthouse. Oh man, he's submitting evidence. My evidence is on November fourteenth, twenty twenty two, which we play games right when they come out. People pleaser empath, the first game mentioned, Shadows Over Loathing. I haven't listened to the episode, but I'm just saying. Sure. sure. Exhibit B, C as well. I- I believe you, man. Hold I'm on, sure hold we on. talked about it. No, oh, there's okay. another exhibit. There's more. There's more. On the very next week, November <laughs> 21st, 2022, yes. Yes. episode 311, Annihilated, Shadows Over Loathing. So what happened? I, I don't ask know, man. you, Judge. I don't know. I don't remember. I'm going to have to go back. We're going to have to go look at these evidence because in my mind, we talked about the demo or early game and then we brought it back to the show. And we talked about it from Steam release. I man, I maybe I don't Ooh. remember, dude. But I don't. I definitely. Here's what I can. Here's what I can assure Hold you. Hold on. I rest my case. Go ahead. You rest your case. All I can say at this point is I know that we spent a lot of time talking about the demo. I did talk about it when it dropped, and I don't remember how much I played of the Steam, but it wasn't anywhere near as much as I played now because I'm almost True. done with it now. That's fine, and I accept so. that. But I'm saying I don't think I was in the Mandela effect. We'll go back and listen to the tapes. But I think we might have talked about the full release on that. Episode. I mean, maybe, maybe. But we're talking about it now. I'm mean, actually going to stop talking about it now. I no, will say, I know. I will say, I love this game. I think it's great. I think it's a perfect fit for the Switch, which is where I'm playing it now. 
Um, definitely recommend it for the Switch. Definitely recommend it if you like funny games. Um, I mean, there's not really anything quite like it out there on the Switch, as far as I know. I mean, if anybody knows anything that's in the same ballpark as this, I mean, it's probably not going to be as funny, but if it's in the same ballpark, let me know. Uh, but this one kind of stands alone for me, and I, I'm really, really enjoying it. It's just, it's so good. Really I'm, good I'm going back to it from your, your, for your second or third review. Yes. I'm okay, going back let's to do it. it. Let's do it. We're going to talk about it next week. Yeah, let's, let's just talk about it for the rest of the let's year. Let's talk about it next week. <laughs> All right, that is a show, folks. That is a show. Um, I'm sure that we've got a couple things before we go here. Uh, but we are done talking about the main portion of our games. This is all non-game related stuff. Carlos, you got anything you want to talk about before we go? Let's just do a few shows. It's a long show, but that you know, all of our longer shows do better. Like just yeah. it just gets people more. want it. People yeah. want the content. So quickly, some shows that I'm watching, and we'll talk about one that we're both watching. Uh, well, I'm I'm still watching Love and Death. I, I brought that to you last week. Which it's one is that? Remind pretty me. Pretty dark. Quick. It's Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, Olsen, the one, the girl from woman from Wandavision. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so it's it's just a, uh, a based on a true story, uh, a woman and a guy in the seventies uh, have an affair. It's kind of simple and just dark and a drama kind of, but the way that it's done, it gets like really dark in you know a certain episode, and it's just what is it? I don't want to say. Is, is the pleasure. guy she's having the affair with that really like doughy looking blonde guy? I mean, you could describe him as that. Um, he's an incredible actor. Yeah, he's a great I actor. I forgot his he's, name. He's got like no eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. That yeah. kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I don't amazing. know what his name is. But um, yeah, but he's a great I actor. I think it's because him and Elizabeth are so just magnetism on screen, you know? Really? Um, okay. Not like the together or whatever. I'm just like, they do have an affair together. That's the whole show. But like, there's, it's just like the, they're acting. It's just so fucking good. Anyways, everybody watch it. It's fucking great. Secondly, obviously finishing up Mandalorian. Uh, because I, I'm behind on that. But I wanted to bring to the show today um, Silo. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, is on it good? On Apple TV, it's very fucking good. Um, okay. Again, stand-up performances by everybody in it, and it's essentially about a dystopian and sci-fi. I love it. Or, or, I'm already in. Uh, all these people grew up or just like only know of this silo that they're in, this huge like metal tower. And they have all their food in there, they blah, blah, blah. And they have these windows to the outside world that just look like fallout, you know, post-apocalyptic. And they're told mm-hmm. that they can't go outside, but they're not told why. They're just deadly or something. And then people, whoever say they, if someone says they want to go outside, then they're forced to go outside, but then everybody watches them go die. <laughs> <laughs> but... And this is not a comedy, right? It's not a comedy, no. Okay, just checking. Sci-fi drama thing, but it's obviously... Or, or not, obviously, there's a lot more going on than that. It's like, wait, what's really going on? You know what I mean? Like, where? Right. what is our history about? What is outside? And it's just fascinating. Apple yeah, TV. It's on, I'm going to check that out as soon as uh, as soon as we get through some stuff we're watching. It seems pretty interesting. So There's only yeah, three episodes sure. out right now. I know you hate that, so maybe you should I'm going to wait until it's out. Yeah. The whole thing is out, yeah. Three up. And then just, we could both talk about Dungeons & Dragons, that it's pretty fucking great. Uh, all right, hang on to that to the end. Okay. We'll both chip on in that. Yep. I want to give... Uh, I started Attack on Titan. Have you ever seen that? I despise that show, but go ahead. <laughs> you despise that show. Uh, I tried to watch it a while ago, and I bounced off it for some reason. I think... I, I can't actually remember why I bounced off it, but I'm like, eh, not for me at the time. But the pilot, maybe? Because they... With the mother, the pilot, maybe? Uh, possible, possible. But uh, but my son uh, is really kind of getting into like an anime phase. 
and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll watch it with you, of course. Um, and so we're like in season two now. And that's a pretty wild show. I'm sure it's old hat for most people probably listening to this podcast. I know we're like way late to the party on it. I get it. I get it. It's been out for fucking like 10 years by now. Literally 10 years. Um, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, I, I think it's kind of like a, a anime version of The Walking Dead in some ways where they just like a lot of despair, a lot yes. of problems, um, a lot of people get killed. Um, but I think it's pretty interesting. And I think um, I think for me as a writer at heart, I am very curious to see where they go with this, and, and how the Titans relate to the humans and the revelations. I'm not going to spoil anything here, but, you know, a lot of surprises happen. And, I, and half the time I'm like, OK, did you guys plan this from the start? Or are you pulling this out of your ass right now? Because I really want to know how far down this rabbit hole goes. I don't know how far it goes. Like I said, I'm only in season two. We still have like one and three quarter seasons left. And I don't think it's even officially over. I think it officially ends this year and the final episodes are not out yet. But, uh, you know, it's it, it's definitely interesting for sure. We're definitely watching it two, three episodes a night. So we're in for sure. And why do you despise it? Well, the despair thing. The same with Walking yeah. Dead and Game of Thrones. I'll never watch yeah. either of that stuff. If it's just like, it seems like um, meaningless deaths. I, I it, it makes me so mad because oh, I don't want to go on the tangent and I won't. Um, it makes me mad. Uh, but by the way, I'm starting Chainsaw Man. Have you? I've heard brave reviews it's on, about that. It's on my list. It's on my list. Is it good? Yeah, I like so far what I'm watching. And again, it's dark. But there's, again, I, I'll follow things that are dark if there's justification, or there's some sort of justice, or there's some sort of, I don't know, retribution. I just I can't watch it just for downer's sake. Right. Um, right. Anyways, Chainsaw Man and Attack on Titan. All right. I want to give a shout out to Surreal Estate. We finished up the series. Uh, all, I think it's 12 episodes altogether. Uh, it was great. It was great. Tim Rozon from uh, Winona, um, Winona Earp uh, is the star of that show. He does a great job. Very different character from the one he was playing previously. It was kind of a trip to see him um, do something different. But uh, yeah, he's about a real estate agent that sells haunted properties. Uh, they had a good through line story. I thought the casting was great. We had a really good, fun time. My wife and I are really into the sci-fi shows, the sci-fi original shows, especially the ones from Canada specifically. Um, I don't know what it is, but sci-fi from Canada has a really good mix of like lightness and darkness and comedy and a little bit of sex, sometimes more than a little. But they always they're always like the kind of shows that you you relax with. Right. Like you kick back with them like Winona and um, like Lost Girl we watched for a while and and this one like any of those sci-fi canada shows we're like those those groove with us we like those a lot so i think surreal estate was great they are working on a second season it got canceled but then it got renewed uh so it is coming i think later this year another set of 10 or 12 episodes um speaking of sci-fi canada we're also watching um reginald the vampire have you seen this one wait the movie no tv show i didn't what not reginald what what just came out with nicholas cage uh, you're thinking of the yeah, I know what you're thinking of um, Renfield. Renfield Renfield yeah yeah that's a different DMD. different thing. I'm gonna watch that no I don't know about Reginald Reginald the Vampire is based on a series of successful books which I had heard of but never read the Fat Vampire series I've never read those um, but the star of this is <clears throat> excuse me Jacob Batalon who is the everybody knows him as Peter Parker's sidekick in the Spider-Man movies mm-hmm. um he is the, uh, uh, I believe he's Filipino, uh, short. You know, he was like the humor comic relief in Spider-Man, you know? Yep. So he is the star of this show, and he does a great job. He plays um, a heavier set guy, and he has a lot of self-esteem issues. People make fun of him, et cetera, et cetera. He gets turned into a vampire, and he thinks like his 
his day's made. He's like, oh, sweet. You know, I got my comeuppance. I'm a vampire now. I can do whatever I want. Except the only people even more prejudiced against fat people than humans are fucking vampires. They are hyper prejudiced against fat people. And it's like a whole through line about body acceptance and um, a lot of jokes. But again, it's like really light. Um, It's really funny. There are some like gory moments that are kind of shockingly gory. There's a couple sexy moments that were kind of shockingly sexy. Um, but I think overall it's, it's interesting and I think it's really fun. Um, we're like two, three episodes away from the end and I think it's, uh, uh, a very unexpected and very unpredictable watch and we're kind of into it. So a little on the low budget side, I think they could have upped the budget a bit, but we're not complaining too much. I'm still, I'm still into it. Oh, it reminds me real quick of swarm. I, I, I've started it. Uh, I haven't finished it. Donald Glover's production swarm. Oh man, we watched the trailer and we were both like depressed after watching that's, the trailer. That's again the same thing for me. Like I've <clears throat> I've heard spoiler uh, that Billy shows up in it, uh, Billy Eilish. Um, oh, okay, and she's never done anything when it comes to shows, and but she wanted to work with um, you know his production, and I like it, and he does, and it's shot on film, and it looks really awesome. But it's dark as fuck that pilot, um, and it only seems just depressing. But there's some really I know what's coming, and so there's some kind of come up and it's kind of thing happening later. So I might stick with it, but I just thought, well, let me know if it goes because we both were going to watch it and we just were like, Oh dude, this trailer is no, 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 no. We're not in the, we're not in the headspace for this man. Well, the pilots that same way you're like, Oh, I don't think so. But yeah. Anyways. Anyway, let's talk about what we're both going to talk about. Dungeons and dragons honor among thieves. This is the one starring Chris Pine and a bunch of other really great people. I think the casting's pretty good. It just got released on demand, so we streamed it yesterday. Have you you've seen this, Carlos? I haven't finished it. We were talking pre-show that yes, I love that so many of these, including Renfield, um, are coming to VOD, and so I have it paused, uh, or my playback of it paused because in this world of short attention spans, at least I'm speaking for myself, I watched like a huge chunk of it, like an hour and a half, or no, an hour probably. Uh, like an episode, you know? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I can only talk to that hour or whatever, but fun as shit, you know? Like, just fun as shit. Um, was it Chris Pine is his name? Yeah, he's the main guy, uh-huh. You know, great through-line character. It's about thieves, you know, which is fun in RPGs and D&D. Um, the cast, like you said, is great. And you just care about everything, and they do a really good job of setting it up, almost like a RPG backstory, you know? Quickly yeah, in, yeah. That, in that judges area or whatever. They're like, this is how I became the character that I am. Um, and the special effects are good, and it just feels fun. It's like a great, great time. Yeah, it's really, really good. I um, We watched it yesterday, and kind of like you said, we actually watched it episodically, too. We watched an hour. We paused it. I think we did something. We came back to it like nine hours later, watched the other hour and a half that was left. Um, and it was great. I mean, we the whole family loved it. I thought it was really funny, genuinely funny. And I think the thing that works about this movie is they're not taking it too seriously which is absolutely the right choice you don't want it to be dour you don't want it to be another like oh i'm on a quest and everybody speaks in old english and it's super serious no like it's really funny like there's a lot of jokes but the difference about this is it is not jokes at dnd's expense it is like something funny about the characters it is something funny that builds upon the good time you have when you play... D- have you ever played D&D, Carlos? Of course. Okay, I have played D&D too. And I am the kind of... I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of D&D player where, like, I want to have fun, right? I want to laugh. I want to have adventure. I want to do cool things and funny things. And sometimes I don't mind b- bending the rules a little bit if it means that something cool is going to happen. 
or you know like it's about good time bonding with your friends and stuff and that to me personally is the real value of dnd it's not about counting your points and counting your stats and like being like a like a like a rules goblin you know like i want to just kind of go with the flow like it gives you a framework with which to inter- interface with your friends and stuff i've had many great adventures where we were barely even looking at the rule book right we're kind of just riffing and going off like these broad strokes of an adventure and that's what this feels like it feels like this movie captures how fun it can be to play a really good round of D&D with friends and no one's like the goddamn like like rules police you know what i'm saying right well it's the improbability of it right so i think that's where i early learned on oh, i can't speak tonight that's it we're not doing <laughs> evening podcasts anymore <laughs> i don't know what words i just said but that would he's be, done folks i'm done um no it's like it's like where I was uh, thinking about comedy on you know, improv. It's like you got to play with your friends. We're talking about the pen and paper version, which still tons of people play. Uh, there's YouTube shows of it now. And yeah, you, like you said, you kind of like explored the space and we're like, well, this isn't in any rules, but could I do this? You know, how yeah. about I take the mug and throw it and try this thing? And usually they um, leaned into the comedy. Exactly. Because exactly. you're like with your friends and you're like, well, you know, what if uh, Lester does this thing over here? And, you know, and then I jump on his back and we get into the uh, the back door, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we're yeah. trying these tricks. And that's what it feels like. I think what you're saying with the movie. That is totally what this fucking movie feels like, where it feels like it feels like the DM, the fantasy DM of this movie is like riffing on like weird scenarios and the players are into it. And like it's it's not poking fun at someone. It is just it is finding the joy. Yeah. In D&D that I think people who have never played D&D don't understand how fun it is or how fun it can be. You know, like there was like the whole satanic panic thing in the 80s when moms and dads thought this was going to steal your soul. You guys are going to be sacrificing goats and killing each other. It's not even remotely like that. It's like it's like goofy, fun, you know, cosplay slash LARPing sort of energy kind of a thing where you're just having a good time. And it's just it's just laughs and they get it like they totally get it, which is amazing. So um, the casting is funny. Hugh Grant is in this movie. He's really funny. Um, I mean. The stuff that happens is just like every scene is like a joke. Every scene is like an adventure. The special effects, there's tons of special effects, which was great. They don't cheap out. They really lean into like all the monsters, all the magic. Um, it just was like a really, really cool, funny thrill ride from start to finish. And I thought they did an excellent job. I really, really hope that they come back and do a second one because I think the tone, the style, the humor, all of it was like super on point. Like I, I fucking loved it. I thought it was really, really good. I want another one, but you know how they do Dungeons and Dragons and like tagline. This one's yep. like honor among thieves, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the next tagline in my hope would be like, you know, two handed melee adventure. <laughs> right. But no, no, they, they could have focused more on that. This one's more about like sleight of hand, having fun, pulling it off. Like they're a band of thieves, right? Like, sure. There is definitely some combat though. There's some pretty there's good combat. Fight and I'm just though. saying, but they could start a next movie where it is that kind of trope of the warrior class, right? And definitely. With a bunch of warrior band together. Like the, I played out those campaigns, uh, but then it still has funny in it. So yeah, for sure. For I sure. There's, there's lots they could do. This is a great starting point. I feel like they could do a lot of stuff with this. This to me feels like if they play their cards right, this could be like a cool franchise that we could come back to and come back to and come back to. Like I would, I would watch a bunch of these if they were in the same, uh, same vein as this one. So, all right. All right. That oh. is a win. And this is a show. Wait, uh, a- I'm also watching the end of Barry because that's not at the last episode. Just no, not the You're last You're watching episode. the end of Barry right now? No, I can't. We got to finish the show, man. I know. Uh, what I meant to say is I just got, I watched the new episode of Barry is always trying to say. Oh, okay. And it was built, uh, uh, wrote and directed by Bill Hader, I think. I think it's all of it. You know, he Are all the episodes it. out yet or not yet? No, not yet. So, 
But let me um, know when it's when the last one's out. I'm gonna hit that. It's just so stunning. hard. I know. Yeah, it's stunning. Okay, bye. All we're right. done. Wait, wait. We gotta do the closing thing. Yeah, you were not. Nope. Oh, I'm not doing it. We gotta do. We gotta do the closing thing. It's a show. Give us your questions, comments. So many games podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at so video games. We're on Instagram at so video games podcast. Carlos, where is your traffic coming? A lot of things podcast. There you go. Um, you can hit me up anywhere. I'm also on Blue Sky this week, so check me out there. Uh, it's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And this is episode 335. Thanks again for joining us on this supersized episode, and we'll see you next week. We will see you next week.